Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Singles. I am, as ever, Regression, or Alexis, and I am joined by Buchan. Hi! Oh. And we have a very special guest, who is... <gasps> Hi. Horse Jeans. DJ Horse Jeans. <laughs> Jackie. Jackie, I can't, hi! I, I was like, I was like briefly like, do I do a voice in the hive? I can't, I can't live, I can't live up to the no, Buchanan the, the hive. No, the, 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 the adventure is a singular experience. You cannot, you cannot hope it's to. True. to it's true. Look, to. look, it's, they say they're goblins. They're not out here yelling all shrill like me. <laughs> yeah, you, hi, you, you, I'm back. You can't call, you are, you are. Can't call goblin mode until you've experienced the Buchanan version of it. It's, it's just not proper. It's true. It's true. Uh, uh, we got we got a biggie. We got another biggie. We got a double biggie back to back. Um, we do. So, uh, working backwards, um, Jackie, what have you brought for us? I have brought for us the new album from this guy, One uh, O Tricks Point Never. Have we ever talked about him on this 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 podcast? Is this, is that a guy that means things to people? I've never heard are... this guy in my life. No. No, who okay. The, well, who the fuck's this? He's bastard? uh, he he's he's pre- he's pretty whack. Uh, he's kind of kind of a weird. No, it's, I don't I don't I don't know what to. Uh, it's it's again. The album is literally called again. One of tricks point never again. That's that's what we're doing today. Yeah, fucking again. Um, uh, I have brought the new album by one Lee Gamble, called uh. Fuck! Why did I just forget the name of the album I brought? <laughs> it's called so fuck. fucking. <laughs> Lee Gamble, <laughs> fuck. Uh, models is what it's called. Models. How did I fucking forget that? I, ugh, whatever. Um, Boo, what have you brought, and what are we starting off with? We are starting off with the seminal release from Death's Dynamic Shroud, <laughs> released Semen. November first. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. We're children. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Okay, yeah, we were we were listening to the cum release from Death's Dynamic Shroud. Well, is that what you guys wanted to hear, huh? Absolutely. Yes. Children? Thank you, Buchanan. Actually, uh, thank you. That's really it's yeah, it's we're gonna be talking about jingling keys so I can get these two dumb crackers uh clapping their hands on this podcast. Okay? That's what we're doing. Yeah. No, um we're reviewing uh first off, Faith and Persona by Death's Dynamic Shroud. <laughs>
Um, now it's it's. I, I do this a lot. I say it's I, I introduce a flippant like now for those of you who don't know, I get the feeling like 80% of our listening audience knows who Death's Dynamic Shroud is. At the very least, that will ring a bell because yes. people on the circles of the Internet where this podcast exists like to talk about this 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 group. It's mm-hmm. I I. God, they're so fucking cool. It's I'm buddies with them. I just wanted to say is hi hey 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 tech what's up man thank you for uh playing that uh that sick ass george clan show and it's <laughs> thank you for recognizing me when i said hi in the crowd i was like hi and tech was like i know boo i know you a very 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 fun bit of uh, serendipity uh keith rankin followed me on twitter literal minutes before this podcast started recording let's go and it's completely unreal so now i too am biased i i i'm gonna be nicer <laughs> to this i'm just kidding i like this album so that's hell oh, yeah. Um, I don't have to. Da, da, da. I don't have to lie about things. Great. <laughs> uh, so faith in persona. It's Death's Dynamic Shroud is a vaporwave group. I guess it's they're, they're they are a band. Yeah, vaporwave uh, question mark group question mark. Group. It's a a collective project uh, born out of uh, born out of the Dayton Ohio music scene. Um with uh it's our good friends james tech and keith and they've it's these guys love making albums so fucking much um they, it's, they do as i look at this Bandcamp page they they like making those albums D- death's dynamic shroud puts out an album every month it's for their for their uh mixtape program and i Am I nuts in believing that Faith and Persona was originally a New World yeah. mixtape? No, it was. I, I, I read that. I, I read one review of this album, and, and <laughs> that's what I that's what I heard. It's yes. uh, and so uh, all three of the boys work on uh, stuff in like separate capacities. I think out of like the forty uh, DDS releases, there's only like two or three that they've all worked on together under like the under the single name like there's a they they'll that's sometimes they'll do like stuff for ghost diamond wasn't a dark life is that the one that's all three of them dark life is the most recent one that's all three of them i believe or that might be that that was like the one that i think they got the most like in the moment attention for i'd say yes, that's probably that, accurate yeah that was the one that they geared up to be like the big uh, that's they, that like, is, they like did singles they, yeah. they didn't just drop the whole thing at once they I, actually like treated it like a real album yes i think um if you want to uh if you want to like look at the triangulation points of like big dds releases you have to look at dream catalogs uh i'll try living like this uh, that's mm-hmm. I think for many people I think that's still one of the greatest vaporwave albums of all time. I totally agree that uh, I uh, I believe I told you this before the episode, but my only experience with this group besides knowing the name and like the general people affiliated with it and listening to like some giant claw stuff, mm-hmm. um, I uh, ha- tried uh, living like this. I I, I tried <laughs> I'll try living like this like a year and a half i think it, i think i picked it for like a music writer exercise i was doing because i was like let me listen to some vaporwave that isn't um you know like uh what you call it um floral shop uh <laughs> and i i remember liking it and i liked how it was different than a lot of other vaporwave stuff i heard but i wasn't like okay i'm gonna live here now you know and so yeah. i was like i was i was very excited 
to have an excuse to go back to them because after that point i was definitely like interested to pursue further but then when the album the discography gets this broad um i just sort of got intimidated into jumping in and this was a good way for me to do that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say for I'll say for my part, um, "I'll Try Living Like This" is a very special and important album to me, mm-hmm. and I, I've done the bit on the podcast before that um, the reason that I bonded with some of my closest besties over the Sonic R soundtrack is their use of "Work It Out" as a sample, yeah, which is still one of the most important and special bits of something that I yeah have ever heard, and that track that track's iconic. The whole project is so special with what it does with K-pop in particular as a mm-hmm. as a like a starting point and bring into in, into its chaotic final formation. But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like the, I think a lot of people will have like had that as a moment of point of contact, and then like the, the 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 group becomes like if not slightly more inscrutable in a way that Jackie's describing than just like it's dispersed and the scene isn't nearly as singly organized around these like big tempo temple album so like dark life comes up and tries to do that and then like am i right just thinking faith and persona just like everyone yelled about it enough to the point where they were just like we have to put this out publicly it is growing and growing out of it uh, yeah it's yeah. i it's i think what it's and i think one of the reasons why i brought faith and persona here is because um uh it's i think it was it's it had to have been like the first solo Keith effort. Yeah, it was in it was in Death's Dynamic Shroud. Mixtape, Keith yeah. Rankin, uh, owner of Orange Milk Records. Um and uh, uh, performs under the, the name Giant Claw. Sorry. Yeah, only the uh, second yeah. artist that we've covered twice on Hot Singles. Um, yeah. after OPN. Oh yeah, because I, I remember the the Giant Claw episode. I think that actually was probably what got me to check. What that got album you out. into Giant Claw? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, what got me into it was seeing that fucking album art and being like, "Yo!" It's incredible. But then, then, <laughs> yes. I, then I clicked it's, play. Keith is the god. It's I. It's we'll we'll get to the cover watch, but it's Keith yeah, yeah, yeah. is Keith is a god. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, Faith and Persona um, was originally a mixtape release, uh, locked uh, behind a monthly subscription, and. I think just because of the, I think we were, it's, it, it takes the, the language of vaporwave and pop music and especially pop music that is reflecting off vaporwave yeah. uh, and like sort of like that 2010s, 80s worship that I think I, I, it's I'm glad you're bringing that up that's exactly what I got out of mm-hmm. this record mm-hmm. um, yeah. or yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it got people in a mood to I think just think about um, what um, you know I, it got people thinking about Vaporwave again I think that's yeah. that's how I can that's how I can say it because a lot of like DDS has sort of moved into their own lane uh, it's, they still make Vaporwave music I want to be very clear like they're still entrenched in the the vapor scene but um 
I'm sorry, it's, I briefly need to interrupt. Uh, Shohei Otani is signing with the Dodgers. Fuck you, Canada. Suck fuck. it. Get him. No, no, I need a chill no. Blue Jays vibe. Fuck you. Fuck Jackie, I'm leaving the podcast. Fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck. I'm sorry. I'm very fuck. excited right now. He's so hot. Oh, my God. He's Anyways. so hot. I, I, I got so to make a tweet uh-huh. about this. Uh, we are recording interrupt. Important, important podcast. Interrupt. Yeah, important news bulletin. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. We're recording a podcast. Uh, we were recording for Hot Singles when we found out the news about Shohei. And I just yelled fuck at my computer. One dollar on Patreon. <laughs> Uh, you couldn't see it, but I was I was flipping off my computer when I was when I was celebrating. I'm so mad! God damn it! We the Jays. <laughs> I'm that so is, mad. I, I thought the oh Jays were God. due. Uh, I mean, the, the, it was it was never going to happen. To be clear, like the 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 Jays yeah. bit no. was like. No, shut up! Funny. Shut up! Shut up! The, no, it wasn't a bit. Boone, Israel, we're we're they, true hearts were, forever, boys. Joey and the Toronto Blue Jays, come on! Boone, it hasn't been the same since reality. Like, they are you going to make as many noise about Shohei Otani as they make about Revenges? To come on, like yes, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's Shohei Otani is the Revengeist of it's baseball. The baseball. <laughs> That's perfect. The vi- the podcast is already uh, everything I wanted out of it. We're already there. Two minutes I'm, in or whatever. I am I am going to end my own life. This is okay. a disaster. I can't believe death, this death happened. Death dynamic shroud. Death dynamic oh, shroud. Uh, now I want to go back to a time reminiscing about when I thought Shoei was going to go to the fucking lunatic. <laughs> Um, uh, sorry. Uh, Faith and Persona is it's a giant claw album with more um, uh, focused pop sonics. Um, like it's it's giant claw stuff has always been floating around, like using pop music and whatnot. But I've never it's I don't think it's ever really gotten into the um, these are these are much more like arranged. Uh, contemporary like most of them just genuinely sound like actual pop songs themselves yeah Um, that's like the main thing I kind of took away from this especially with my experience being I'll try living like this which felt read as like more similar to traditional vaporwave and how it was sort of deconstructing that word is so overused whatever like the, the way that like it was like more like let's make pop music and just stretch it and pull it and and loop it and turn it into but this feels like it's taking that and then like building something very generative like on top of that like like taking it apart and putting the pieces back together into something that resembles the original thing but isn't just like trying to give you that and then the other thing i think i was so glad you brought up like the 2010s 80s nostalgia because like the biggest thing i thought about this record is that a lot of the like sound palettes that he's contributing that are not the sample manipulation vaporwave type stuff it feels very 80s not in the 
remembered sort of sanitized 80s but like actually 80s like there's a, a fucking I, forget, I have to remember which song it is but there's like a little lead that comes in on one of these songs that sounds like the damn Rugrats theme like it's, <laughs> it, it gets yes. very like deliberately chintzy and over the top maximalist and then pairing that against like several Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande samples and like this pop music that is purporting to be reflecting that era but is kind of giving it to you in a package that is a little more sleek and modern and sometimes less satisfying Mm -hmm. and i like the way that this song is like busting those songs out of 2010's jail and being like be actual 80s songs essentially Mm -hmm. absolutely uh it's i like see me in particular i think is uh it's it's see me it's the first time i heard it i just literally started crying because i was like it's we're so back this is so beautiful yeah it's 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 got like the it's got like the like stock music uh like drum pattern on it and it's like oh it just feels so good it's so it's perfect oh man So in general, like Vaporwave and Giant Claw stuff to me can feel like a little bit like musical edging, you know, like in a good way sometimes, but like it can feel a little bit like it's just trying to really draw out and play with stuff. This thing is really giving you like pure pleasure the whole time but then sometimes it cranks that dial up so high that it becomes that the pure pleasure becomes like overwhelming and kind of like sublime in its own way yeah like this is exactly what simi was giving me because like the first part of it is this like incredibly like constructed cadence it just like wants to do, 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 do. It just wants to hit that over and over again and just like give you the punch and they like there's like juicy little explosion in your mouth every time you hit it um and then once it shifts into the beat, like it really wants to give you the like ecstatic pop moments over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then like the thing that it gives away to, it gives way to is like this almost like planing style R and B bridge where it just like yes. slides chords through and around the key in very very you know non non diatonic ways. Like it just wants to like slip and slide in a way that like would be you know three beats in a normal pop song and it's just allowed to just like slip in that mode for a long period of time structured identically to a pop track um but still like really fucking indulging yeah that's exactly what it is it's like like so clearly knowledgeable about what makes a pop mm -hmm. song like like give you that like pop juice um and it squeezes it's just like adjusting different time to it, it's oh god i'm about to say something so pretentious right after the oh fuck god damn you're okay, singles it. if you don't do that um, we, we're coming it's like what uh the fucking like david lynch transcendental cinema thing you know oh, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. about yeah. like no you're, good, you're if you, good if you have the if you have the big structure of like here is a story that like from a ten thousand foot view is like handrails that people can hold on to like uh, a woman goes to los angeles and gets 
tangled up in some stuff. And then from there, you play with the dilation of, okay, what happens between those beats and how long does that happen? And can we draw that out to the point that it starts to make the viewer like get shaken out of those typical rhythms while also still giving them just enough of the kind of larger structure so that they won't be like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what this album does well. It's like, these are pop structures, but like bridges are longer, choruses are shorter. Like they just like time dilate certain aspects of it to throw you off of those rhythms. Because it's so understanding both pop form and slotting into pop form, but also like where all the, like I said, the juices is in the interstices. It's in the like, it's in the little pickups. It's in the like soaring top notes. It's in the like belted syllables. It's in the weird turnarounds that catch your ear it's in the like skipped beats and those are the things that just like fill out all the time and space like mm-hmm. the, the whole like structure's reoriented so, so like it's still a pop song but it's a pop song giving you all the like interstitial moments as the thing that is like grabbing your ear over and over again that little turnaround like case in point oh so good uh i was gonna say it's uh De- it's declan uh friend of the podcast twin brother to buchanan um friend of the <laughs> yes. to many a hero to many truly uh would throttle me if i did not um shout out the t- uh the opener uh tear in abyss oh uh, yeah um where it's it sounds like you are in a plane in a thunderstorm while this song is playing yeah going uh, back to last week's the the evian christ episode theme of uh imagining cool shit happening albums this is yes, sure one of those absolutely <sighs> oh my god it's oh my god it's so cool um no it's it's just it's like this thrashing ballad uh like hair hair matted with rain uh like it's crazy ps2 lightning firing off everywhere it's all right. I just wanted to make sure I got my piece on that because that's it's. I listen to that all the time. Like it's it's. If, it's a if, fucking high if, track. If, if I went to the gym, that would be my workout anthem. It absolutely yes. would. Yes. Um. But, uh. <laughs> sorry, I'm just going through the track list. Uh, no, th- Jackie- th- for me, for me, the the like the counterpart for that is someone in the room. Which like isn't I don't think even one of the more celebrated ones. For me, this is the the one that's like driving through the fucking rain, PS2 uh water effects, uh like shallow depth of field. Oh yeah, like, I, I, I'm it, like skimming through this one and I'm remembering like I really like how this record brings in the like beats and the I, I don't know how to describe what it's fucking doing in this track, but like the way that the rhythm and like that very modern kind of like ha- house pop like pumping thing is given this very like strange feeling to it on this track that's like yeah. familiar but in a weird like dream remembered way you know like it's it, there's something about the way that it seems to be like commenting on the kind of Eventually, I, I, is this one of the tracks that samples Dua Lipa? I, I think uh, it is. I, 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 went, I went through the first, the first time through, I went through it 
um, like generally not wanting to look at the samples and just sort of take it in. But uh-huh. then I got to a certain point where a couple times in a row I was like, was that fucking Taylor Swift? Like, was yes. I imagining that? <laughs> uh, and then when I got to Needy and I was like, okay, this is Ariana Grande. I have to look it up. But yeah. then when I saw that the fucking uh, driver's license was coming on the last track, I was like, Keith Rankin, you motherfucker. I don't even yeah, like that there song. Yeah, there works. is a you motherfucker feeling about R.I.P. Uh, totally. Um, so good. Uh, someone in the room is Ariana Grande. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- th- there are um, a couple of. I think that whole run of three stretches in a row, like, there's a lot of Ariana's vocal sample yes. in there, which immediately yes, yes, made yes. me think of. I I think Ariana as a vocalist has a quality that I think is also maybe the strongest quality of Pink Panther is. Her vocals just sit on top of whatever you put under yeah. them in a way yeah, that is so different. Like, it's like she's constantly floating on a little uh, like Likitu cloud. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. like her, feet, her, her feet never touch the ground yeah. ever. Um, it's and just a very distinct that, evenness, like a, which, just yeah. which, which is why it's so it's, easy to slide. Yeah, there are so many incredible, like avant-garde Ariana Grande edits. I mean, like there's the shout fucking, out to Severine. Um, like just I was about to say that Severine. the Severine that was the first yep. one I thought of. Also, the Aya uh, into you, yes. uh, so inc- but like, whenever people bust her vocals out of the sort of production um, uh, uh, machine that they're they're sort of put into, or like the uh, Ariana Grande Aphex Twin mashup video that is like Pink Panther essentially. Um, like all of that stuff i'm just like wow you just have this voice that just like the quality of it like the breathiness just allows it to sort of wait feel so weightless and like pink pantherist is the same sort of way where like her top lines just feel so like gently placed above the breakbeats under them that allows them to really like reach through and i think that is used to a very different effect here where it's like this is way more cacophonous right instead of using that to like like her voice is very aerodynamic and you can either use that to make a track that is like very frictionless pop music in a way that's kind of uh like unsatisfying or you can put her in the middle of a fucking electrical storm and she still sort of peeks through because she just has this very like um like protective bubble almost like around her mm-hmm. voice it kind of feels yeah. like it's so like cool. it feels very important that this vocal chop doesn't use a belt per se but it does like have the mm-hmm. arc that means you have like the real drama where it hits the top note and you like get the full lift of a like a real proper vocalist like flying at yeah. you know top speed there's a yeah. needy was probably my favorite song on the record i really love just be needed is like a use... it's an iconic yeah, track at this needed. point i think like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. kind of broken containment um Oh, God. So, yeah. Anyways, so, uh, can we just talk gen- about Just We Needed? Just like, give yeah, it yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do Just Fuck. We Needed. So, there are. It's a track in two parts. It is a track that, like, 
really fucking minds in, in the same way you brought right at the start there is a sort of like 80s cloudiness like the post jack antonoff the like post weekend retrieval of all of this like really like lush pretty slightly withdrawn way of doing 80s pop music brought up to date mm-hmm. like lurking underneath the surface of that is the like incredible like doughy sentimentality in actual 80s music that like hides in the corners sometimes of the, yeah, the retreaded yeah, yeah. stuff and that like there was a reason i never really cared for the Taylor swift version of this because it feels like it really doesn't understand the sentimentality it doesn't really understand the like the flex and drama of the of the, the what you can do with this fluttery 80s pop music but like mm-hmm. a trial like just to be needed like i know it's not dragging straight from 80s stuff but it, it's like just such a clear understanding of like intense sentimentality lurking in pop music that like really fluttery like heart soul way of listening to pop music yeah and just spinning it out so effortlessly um but yeah like, i just got to the first little uh like clap beat that comes in like a minute yeah. into the song as you were saying that and i started almost floating a little bit it's it's really oh. <laughs> but then like okay the, the thing i just got to at 142 or so on the track is the 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 vocal that lifts very slightly but isn't in tune it's like hasn't quite locked in to that full major third up um yeah there's a there's a kind of like shunty awkwardness to the presentation and then when it gets to the track transition it like was it three minutes or so i'm guessing yeah um right around there yeah like 230 240 there is um and it like there is a distinct like it's like a quarter tone it's not a full semitone it's like a you know a half semitone tuning difference between the two samples and the two sections of the track which means you've got this like intense lopsidedness constantly and by the time you get in minute five or six to the two samples coexisting in the same track um you're like your head is just screwed you're fucked like do you have like two different tunings clashing and driving you to you know somewhat insanity like this is it's like such a deep commitment to the sentimentality of both that like having these two different colors like sitting at once is like intensely gripping i i love the the way this track builds yeah it's it's, it's like sweet on top of sweet but there's just enough like friction between the two of them that it's yeah. has that little bit of just sort of like longing that you kind of feel that comes yeah, from yeah, that, yeah. I think. J- just like, it could make itself coherent. It could smooth this out. It could just retune the sample slightly so that it was, you know, tucked neatly together. And it doesn't. Because the, you know, I don't know, the, the the need for it to be coherent, like, breaks the, like, intense sentimentality, the, like, passion and sincerity that's, like, hiding in this, like, really straightforward attitude to just loving pop music in that way. I, it's, I, it's better for being more awkward because it's more honest that way. Oh, God, this track fucking rules. It's really, really great. Oh. Um, 
Do you want to go to uh, Pop Chin? I feel like that's when we need to unpack. Because that was the one I just pulled it up. I was like, yeah, that was the one where the very beginning of it sounds like the fucking Rugrats thing. It's yes. so awesome. And then immediately into these sound font, it's like Rugrats, and then all of a sudden Donkey Kong Country. Immediately. Yes, it's per. Uh, it's so Death's Dynamic Shroud. It's our my true hearts forever boys because it's they got their start making Sega Genesis type music. Yes. Uh, and that 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 love has extrapolated into like the the 80s production because so much of the Sega and like Nintendo 64 stuff is just like default Roland uh, piano sound fonts. Um, and cool, cool game one, best synth ever, like greatest yep, synth ever. It's it's true, it's true. Um, and it's it's got ah, it's, <laughs> it's I'm just hearing that like bubble, bubble. Uh, it, it is very interesting though, like to contrast how obviously our our boy Danny's gonna hang over a lot of this episode until we get uh -huh. to him, but like. Uh -huh. Obviously, he's someone that's played with these sort of sound fonty, like eerily artificial things. But usually, he's like, "These are scary, right?" Or "These are like uncanny," or "These yeah. are like otherworldly." And the this is like, "Hey, I'm here, your friend, Donkey Kong Country." Yes. Don't worry, everything's gonna be okay. Like, there's something very optimistic about the way this is engaging with its kitsch. Yeah. It, again, passionate, sincere, like very straightforwardly understanding what is so like deeply attaching about pop music in its like you know shiniest glossiest most plastic most you know see-through forms it's yeah I, I love how attached it is you know what my favorite detail of this track is um the fact that they so they do those like deep reverbed like like uh call and response sort of vocals with the sample where they like down pitch it And I hate that in pop music. Like, Zoo is a terrorist um, yeah. who needs to be held accountable uh, for his actions. And, like, I think that has gotten so... Like, the way that people have sort of um, internalized, like, flume-type synth chopping, but, like, in the, the most, like, reductive sort of simplistic way. Mm -hmm. And there's something about the way that that technique is used in this song, but given, like, a different context that's, like feels like okay you're self-aware of how cheesy this is as opposed to zoo where i just can't trust that he's in control of those dials as yeah. i'm listening mm -hmm. and i i really like that any anytime someone can do something that i usually dislike and make me like it i'm always very impressed yeah again like the, the difference between cynicism and pop music and like that kind of like sincere passion just like speaks yeah, volumes. Yeah, yeah. that this is exactly the sort of space where the the gap between you know true you know, I don't want yeah. to say poptimism. Poptimism is a cursed term, but like, yeah, you know, that sincere positive attachment like gets you places that, you know, the you know that the cynical uh, and mindless version of it doesn't. You know. Also, I just got to the end of it. And the way it fucking transitions into someone in the room is so sick. Yeah. I really like how that's the other thing too is you would think for a record that is so interested in like eighties kitsch that the drums would be like more 
thin and 80s but i really like how it's contrasting those those like very in a similar way that reminds me a bit of sophie right like you're contrasting like these very uh sparkly um dressings around the song with like these truly like thumping modernized drums but also exaggerating those to a cartoonish degree at times yeah mm -hmm. like last minutes of the memory is the one with like the splashy 80s shit going on yeah, like yeah, this yeah, is the yeah. one where it's just like too toppy for its own good in some sense again a track i really like because it just fills me with glee to have someone yeah but even that is sitting in an uncanny valley between yeah 2010s 80s and oh, 100 100 yeah um but yeah no i know exactly what you mean there's a Again, like a craft in derealizing it, like a craft to make mm. it feel very deliberate and very like positively constructed rather than referential, rather than like, yeah, yeah, deconstructive. There, or, there's something yeah. about the way that, I mean, this gets into the like Daniel Lopatin, like we're always hearing our learned associations with sounds thing from Replica, but like, I think that when we hear either the very distinctly 80s stuff or the 2010s 80s stuff, which are their two separate things, there is a sort of way that your brain wants to very quickly be like, all right, I know what this is. I know what to expect. I, I, I've kind of understood what this thing is. And the way that this manages to sit between those two very recognizable um, languages makes you think about the sounds in a in in a way like oh yeah like thinking about them decontextualized from either the 80s or the 2010s right like yeah. how can we make these sounds just stand on their own and They're like you're saying like yeah. remove them from yeah exactly and just make you think about like what does this synth make you feel what does this and and like removing all of that kind of baggage that usually you can't break yourself out of it's almost funny in that context that it wants all of the, the like incredible pop vocal samples, like yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're functional, because they're really, really effective at doing the job they're doing, which is like, even without totally. like through line, even without continuity, they like ha captured the sentiment, like the explosive, yeah. really like maximally expressive, like highest bang for your buck uh, sentimentality. That you are after yeah like that's it's like that's a handrail i mean it's, it's like why pop is such a crucial part of of djing whether you are using like deliberate pop edits or not is like people need some amount of handrails especially if you want to really push things in lots of like interesting energetic directions giving them a vocal to just sort of hang on to like like it's the railing like makes it a lot easier to build increasingly dynamic structures around those things and disagree it it's stuff. time for uh. me it's time for 45 minutes set where i run lizard noises through a granular shifter hey, Enjoy. Hey. There, there, there's room for that too we're gonna get to again later but <laughs> boo please tell me you are putting a buster acapella on top of the lizard noises through a granular <laughs> no hey, 100 oh my god <laughs> I don't know what noises but lizards you know what make. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, close enough, I'm sure. I, I think I think you're exactly right about that, like, functionality. Like, forget about mm -hmm. the fact that it's, like, trying to play on things that you maybe know. Or even, I think the thing I really like about this record is because 
it's not just using modern pop it's specifically using a kind of modern pop that I'll, I'll be entirely honest i don't spend a lot of time being like hmm exactly how hard is this new dua lipa album banging i mostly have consumed that album <laughs> beat by being a person who has been in an h&m in the last five years you know yeah. Um, and I, 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 I like that in the various, and I think that's a lot of what the original project of Vaporwave is like, how can we take these, these sounds of like lounge music or like elevator music that are inherently meant to be like, don't even pay attention to this. Just keep shopping, like mm -hmm. forget about it. And it's like, no, we want to sit with this. We want to make this so long you're forced to live in this world and really, consider like what its values are and what its like atmosphere is and all that kind of stuff and yeah. this is doing that with an even more processed product and, and yeah the like the fact and, that it manages to way, take it apart still is cool yeah, and in some way it means it needs to build its own understanding of the like positive constructive and like sentimental bits of it like that i keep using these words mm. but i think it's like very much the same register that i think about like what was so compelling about the best bits of at least some forms of vaporwave and what this is doing is just like it understands that like the only way it could work as music was if it had this like implicit like uh, association with sensations of like comfort and pleasure yeah and emotional serenity and that you need to be able to mine and like dig out that feeling and make it expressive and not just like tacit and mm -hmm. this is doing exactly the same thing for the kind of like very passionate very sincere like sentimentality in pop music and that like mm -hmm. just owning the like very deep emotional stuff like not like retreating to ironization it's just such a a fun and rewarding experience when people commit to it so yeah like i i 100 feel it yeah hell yeah <sighs> can we talk about um, r.i.p <laughs> it's probably a good time to do that now yeah um, I really don't like the song Driver's License is a thing Neither. about me. Um, I, think I don't like it your, is... the Olivia Rodrigo at all. Well, I, I, I don't... I am generally Olivia Rodrigo neutral to positive. I think whatever attention she can uh, crack away at from Taylor Swift is like net good for society. Uh. Um, and I think that anytime she's holding a guitar or someone in the studio is holding a guitar, I'm like, yes, this is... It's like, it's good that kids will have this as opposed to other stuff. But anytime a piano is involved and this is like the ballad portion of Olivia Rodrigo's thing... Mm. I, I hit the snooze button and so I was so curious when I did look up the stupid samples that okay let me let me know what's coming and then I see that the last song is fucking Olivia Rodrigo I'm like all right how is how is he gonna pull this off how is the bad man gonna do it and I think it's like he, he holds off on like the, the kind of big saccharine climax of that song that I think is why I get annoyed by it. Like, I think that song just sort of, like, beats you over the head with its, like, feel, ah, you know what I mean? In the way that, and I think that's what you're talking about, ironization, is, like, when something wants to be really, really saccharine and it doesn't have the right adjustment of those pitches, there's a way that you can just very easily shut off and be like, corny, no, reject, corny, no, emotional shield up. And I think this song manages to defeat that impulse by like living in the moments between. Like yeah. it, it's taking the moments between the parts of Driver's License that are the reasons why people like that song is like people like that song for when it hits, it goes for the fences and, and gets as dramatic as humanly possible. But like in those kind of big corny 
pop songs, there are the moments when after the big climax, it quiets down a little bit and it just like takes it exhale out. And this whole track is like the, if you only made up a track out of the exhales out between. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just lived in that. It's very, this is an interlude gang ass song if I've oh, ever yeah. heard yes. one. The, um, just the, the little vocal hook, like bouncing between this, like this, the like stacked sick, just descending, like very awkward, very plaintive, almost pathetic, but in a, in a really like, you know, it, it, it wants to return home in this very comfortable and very... It's driving to your house. It really That's literally is. what it is. It really is. Uh, yeah, again, you're, you're just totally right. This is the... How do you drag all the feelings out without needing the, 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 the like, overwrought torture bit? And it, it's so yeah, it's, it's it. like there's so, there's so much trying to be packed into the song. It's, it's like... The original is 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 too much, and so you need to dilute it by taking just the sort of least uh, strong parts of it, and then like reconstituting that into its own n- more nuanced thing. It's very it's very cool. Um, yeah, great. This, this album rules. I was really really uh, happy with it. Like I. I, I liked I'll Try Living Like This, but that felt more like a, a thinky exercise for me. I'm sure if I went back to it, I'd probably like it more now than I did a year or two ago or whatever. But like, this was just very pleasurable. Yeah. I, I just really enjoyed my time with this record. And I'm excited to dig into Dark Life finally and uh, some of the other... Boo, here's here's a good way to finish this. What where, If someone has never heard Death Dynamic Shroud and they liked this, where, where, where else should they go besides I'll Try Living Like This? Um, it's honestly... Uh, it's You want to uh, take a look at uh, Keith's other stuff, uh, Giant Claw, mm-hmm. Soft Channel, uh, Dark Web. Uh, Heavy Blackheart... Yeah, uh, is uh, is their other I think uh, three piece release that uh, really really good um, feels like a great um, it's uh, because it's you know it's literally in between I'll try living like this in dark life it has a, l- a little bit of everything um, I think honestly I think uh, HBH is probably like the perfect generalist package for them playing around with pop samples uh to the effect that they do and then dark life is the full like mega mongo uh like uh like pop release that they've done um that's what i think i it's i ought to really get off my ass it's you know how like king gizzard fans like make like websites that like auto sort you to like uh like albums or it's like I like Nonagon Infinity. Give me something heavier. Okay, Infest the Rat's Nest. Heavier. Petro Draconic. I didn't like no, that. Yeah, All this, right, here's this changes. Is, this is a flowchart ass band if yes, I have yes. ever heard one in my entire life. So, I mean, uh, returning to the theme of my last appearance on this podcast. It's uh, so when good. I brought up when I brought like a a, a forty band flowchart. Yes. At least um, this one is self-contained, yeah. and you can like pay money to get it all delivered to you in very sensible formats. Yes, that does rock. <sighs> we uh, cover watch. Yeah, cover watch. Great idea. Uh, I I really like the. Co- is it just me, or when I see the faceless uh, blonde-haired girl, if I just so internet poisoned that I go Phoebe Bridgers? Is that just me? <laughs> I honestly, uh, the, ske- the skeleton and the and the blonde hair just makes it hard for me to not think about that. <laughs> I see, I see Kardashian when I see this girl. 
honestly. I, I, um, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think yeah, it's I, it's because of like the like the the athleisure sweater that she's wearing. It feels very uh 2018 Kimye. I get what you're saying. I I I I, uh, I, I can, guess 2016 Kimye. Um, because they were already. I really love the eyes. The eyes are so good. Yes, oh, it's so it's, it's what what we're looking at is um a faceless uh pop star body in the new the the new contemporary look for a pop star to have like bleached blonde hair um like that ridley scott sweater type look yeah um literally haunted by a specter of you know what it is yeah you're right to say kardashian because it's like those uh giant like white couches that they all have you know what i'm talking about yeah (laughs) It's look. It's look up the pictures of uh, Kanye West at Kim Kardashian's house and like try yep. not like, to think. Of, try just giant try, white couch in a like concrete like giant loft. Try type room. it's try to tell yourself that they 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 weren't living in a movie where you don't know if they're alive or dead or not. Um, but it's so it's it's this 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 faceless body haunted by death and being watched by black glossy eyes over like this beautiful beautiful sky uh it's i it's all of keith's work is sick this might be one of my favorite keith pieces ever um it's very good it's for the i think it's it's such a it's a very it's a it's a blatantly obvious release uh like it's you know exploring the euphoria of life and death in pop um and to have a cover that uh also obviously dictates that is perfect um to be watched by like unknowable forces and death and you just got to keep doing your thing and going everybody clap your hands uh to be a thing to witness uh also being your curse i think uh Um, the other thing that i was reminded by this cover and thinking about it in the context of this record and this also sort of segues nicely into what we'll be talking about with the next record but also something i was thinking well i was listening to the uh Coralist episode not too long ago and a thing that you didn't bring up not to like you didn't bring this up but just sort of like i i wrote a lot about that record i thought a lot about that record and a thing that i remember from it that i thought was very interesting is i read that lewis uh mr Coralist, um uh he describe the reason why there are all those like anonymous floaty voices on that record particularly on a song like white picket fence is he said he was very inspired by these like ibiza chill out cds where you would hear voices that had like no discernible identity to them like partly because of the the vehicle by which you were receiving them but also partly like they would just sort of feel like untethered from being attached to like a specific person and i think that's something that's very much going on in both this record and the next record we're going to talk about in terms of the way yes and this time it's fascinating because these are all very recognizable voices it's literally ariana grande and taylor swift and olivia rodrigo and dua lipa and demi lovato for some reason um like it, oh, it is a lot a of fucking demi? i i didn't mean i'm sorry demi i apologize <laughs> that's, um, that's 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 how you know jackie's a real pop girly because she just took a shot at demi lovato for absolutely no reason <laughs> listen listen sometimes some the, the world needs b and c list pop girlies too anyways <laughs> um oh my god uh but like 
I, I'm going to say a thing. I'm going to say a thing. Cool for the Summer is a 1B to into use 1A. That, that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. I was just going to say that, like, this record is so interesting in how it plays with that theme because it's using the most recognizable voices by name, but playing with that kind of detached anonymity of modern pop in the way that like Ariana Grande is this person that you're supposed to know and care about who she's dating, but you're also supposed to experience her voice as like this disembodied like pleasure machine in, in a mall or whatever. And that speaking also to the way that like celebrity is to turn someone into like a fetish object, etc. Like mm-hmm. I think all of that is stuff that's clearly on his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, making this record it's almost bizarre how much more sincere you can be stripping the like actual structure and narrative out Mm -hmm. of the voice than you can if it's like presented in its full and stripping away the celebrity narrative yeah yeah, yeah. because then it's not about like which one of ariana grande's ex-boyfriends is this song about it's about like what does this make you feel when she goes for this fucking top line yes Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah Cool fucking album. Faith of Persona, yay. Uh, are we ready to shift onwards? I think so. Sick. So next up is my pick, which is Lee Gamble's Models. Thank you. 
So, am I right in thinking you two do not have much history with Lee Gamble? So I should no, that is correct. Bring up to speed. Okay, so been releasing on labels like Pan and Hyperdub in particular for the last about ten years. Um, mm-hmm. Very much came out of the like jungly, like UK bass music, like elevated sound design scene like very much Mm -hmm. you remember what pan was putting out in the early uh, 2010s like Mm -hmm. interesting electronic music that had a like a fundamentally club origin and there's you can go back to something like i will probably put a track of diversions 94 to 96 as a sort of like template for the place he started out um where he becomes really interesting is where he starts like effectively becoming high concept theory wanker producer and like this was a this was a trend like if people remember the the Simon Reynolds pitchfork piece about Conceptronica like this was aimed at two people I think basically I think it was aimed at Holly Hunter and I think it was aimed at Lee Campbell basically. Um, mm-hmm. He started like reading Deleuze and thinking about technology and everything after the like early work like basically from the album uh, Koch onwards, which is 2014, is informed by this like like a very aesthetified sensibility this very like like deliberate construction of tone and like a totality to the work that exists through artwork through narrative through sonics but also through like theorization of all of them together so i think like the first place to start for me is motor system off kutch um da, 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 which i will link in the chat and we can very quickly sync up um, not because it's a particularly like insane or remarkable track, but just because it is, uh, it feels very much like a statement for like where this started out and how it's got to this point. So if we want to three, two, one, this, we can absolutely do that. Hmm. Sure. Um, three, two, one, go. Uh, this track is one of my favorite kicks in techno ever. Yeah, it's uh, sick. Yeah, this this ruled already. Um, it's not quite the like as we were talking about last week, the drum code rumble. It is just fucking cavernous reverb. Um, clearly also somewhat indebted to like dub techno as a story, but like fundamentally, I think Coke. Uh, I keep reading it, fucking Coke Brothers, K O C H. Koch is a record that like it is inhuman in its scale. It is vast and technological, and you can see the fucking artwork. This like deeply uncanny vista of probably through like a thermal or infrared imaging system of some sort like yeah this is this is an album acting at scales beyond the human um and you there's just a sense of like industrial and technological muscle like hanging over it um this is his last record on pan um his more recent projects have been on hyperdub um and if i take an example of Amnestic Pressure, I will take Quadrapoints, which I think is one of my favorite tracks of his. Uh, which I... Uh, warning for this video for flashing lights, but I think we can just about survive it. Um. Ah. <laughs> um, I mean, hell yeah. Yeah just like completely inverting the the scale like this is microscopic and 
incredibly internal and insides have been stripped apart. And oh god, this gets inside your skull in such a beautiful way. Uh, this is uh, a sick Katamari DLC. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, but this is some Katamari-ass music. Like, I feel like a big ball of, of, of trash is picking up as I listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, like, for the title's record, Amnestic is, like, referring to memory in some way. So, like, memory-related pressure. Like, there's a, there's a deep sense of, like, psychic, like, disintegration and reintegration. A lot of memory talk on this episode of the podcast, Shocking, folks. I know. Oh, good. Um, but there's there's just a deep sense of like disintegration and internal reorganization happening throughout this record. It is like full of this like microscopic detail and incoherence and reconstruction of coherence constantly. I this is one of my like all time favorite electronic records that like flits between. Yeah, there are tracks in here that like are basically drill and bass bangers, and there are also tracks in here that are like deeply strange like. Yeah, the, the uh, disassemblies of oh wow, like rave cycle. The the, the 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 clap coming in a minute and a half into this song yeah. is a very inspired choice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I love I love the way that like it's one of my favorite things about dance music structures is something can be like totally unreadable to you, and then all of a sudden there's a clap on every other beat, and then like <laughs> yeah, you're suddenly you're in. It, you're it, in. All of a sudden, it gives everything around it like a structure. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> with all of this said, like there's been a, a sort of long-running three-part project that turned into flush, uh, flush real larynx. Uh, I keep saying yeah. larynx for some reason. This is all so helpful to me, by the way, because mm. I was expecting way more like this. Yeah. going into it based on my understanding of who Lee Gamble was. Yeah. Like, I I associate him with, like... It's not a name that was on my radar around, like, the kind of 2014, 2012 time because that wasn't quite the electronic world I was plugged into. Mm-hmm. So, really, for me, Lee Gamble is, like, me in the 2020s checking, like, the Resident Advisor album of the year list. Yes. Beat, you know? Uh-huh. Like, this no, is, yeah, like, I fully get any, any, anyone I know that is into club music to a level that they are, like, anyone who really likes, like, drum, D, 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 how do you say that guy's name? Out drum, D, yes. D, drum. T-J-R-U-M, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone who has ever, like, posted drum on their Instagram story or whatever, they, like, have Lee Gamble in the top five of their album of the year list. Like, that's yeah. my association with <laughs> Lee Gamble. So, like, going into this, I didn't expect, like, I don't know exactly what I expected, but I probably expected something that was, like, in the world of the language of club music, but, like, challenging. I was expecting something, like, amnesia scannery, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. is probably what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And so to come across this new record was very fascinating. I was like, oh, wow, I was not yeah. expecting anything like this. Yeah, good. So I, I, there is one more track that I love for Please. multiple reasons. Primarily, one, interlude gang reasons. Secondly, also the technique that you're going to hear on She's Not, that I think it's worth having a background background or like a like a history mm-hmm. to. That I also just think is just like a beautiful little summation of like the kind of thinking going into this project. This is one of the tracks off um, Flush Real Pharynx, um, of the first EP in the series called BMW Shuanghuan X5, which is, if I could, I think, remember the details. And I remember hearing this live before it got released and being completely blown away with it. What was on the AV was an ad for a fake BMW SUV, like a, a cribbed like replica, 
um, being advertised with a Chinese advert um, while this was playing and what it is is resampled or synthesized exhaust and um, uh, like speeding past noises um, pitched and retuned with the blooming reverb Um, it is one of the coolest um, just like sound design pieces like ambient sound design pieces I know of I absolutely fucking adore it The, vr- the, the vroom that just hits a minute in oh that's so yes. good mm-hmm. and then it's got yeah. it's got this like descending fit oh yeah that, that, that that's hitting some nice uh brain scratchy yeah good just like a, a, a chord Actually. hidden blooming in the background and there's a bunch of places like it's a technique that arco also uses i've heard lee gamble use it a bunch of places is where reverb tails start to like move autonomously from the sound that generated them. Um, and this is the thing we get in She's Not that I absolutely adore. I think it's one of the most special noises. Um, but yeah, like where it where it started from with this like ravey, like, like in the shadow of all the like throwback dance music of, you know, the British like club scene from mid 2000s through to the early 2010s having evolved in this very deliberate direction towards firstly an album of like intense overwhelming industrial non-human scale through projects which really are interested in the like like the the microscopic or the internal or the like like the the decohering to arrive Mm -hmm. at models um models of the album we're talking about we got a long way through the lee gamble spiel without actually talking about models um models is a capital a capital a AI album. Um, it is. I a, read that when I read one thing about it, I was like, "Hmm, huh." Um, yeah, there is a there's a basic like fundamental like premise here, which is about the use of AI voices. And I thought it would be interesting to actually like take a chance on like having a capital A capital A AI album on the podcast and just like see if we could feel out the artistic sensibility that it brings, as opposed to just like. Mm-hmm bashing sledgehammers against tech bros because that's I was gonna the thing say, we can really do uh, first of all uh, Holly Herndon sit on it and scissor kick we got to Lee Gamble's AI album before we got to yours get smoked uh, again um, I've, I've been seeing so much Holly Herndon here on the timeline recently and it's like to some degree justified but also the t- platform and the Ali stuff is like deeply deeply important to me so I have like they're really good they're there. really really good albums it's I uh, <laughs> Whatever it's 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 not fair. It's Holly Herndon yeah, is by Holly Herndon is is paying the price for getting her TED talks out there too early, you yeah, know. And so uh-huh. now for the rest of time, we're just going to be like that's the AI lady. And so now her name is forever going to be a little bit associated in our mind with like fake Drake songs, you know, <laughs> which is God. not a, not even a little bit fair to her. But yeah, like that's just the bed she uh, unfortunately I, created. I, for I'm herself. I'm sorry, Holly. You got a bunch of gay people who like. Uh, doing drugs that i don't know the names of hooked on your music and now 
it's they don't like you anymore. That really, That's... I'm really sorry about that. That actually really does suck. It really does. God, I I have like little personal attachments to it in so many different ways. Like, yeah, Holly Holly Horndon is definitely like two CB core for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my uh, God. So yeah, so models. Yeah, models. Well, let's let's not let's not dive down that rabbit hole too deeply. Um, yep. This is an album that like the premise that I have for this is that it's an album where he returned to the human scale because somehow AI is a way of like thinking through the human scale. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Having spent so much time just like deeply not being at sizes or rhythms or um, terrains or just like having not constructed spaces that are meanable for people. Um, this is an album very much person sized. Um, and it, it's on the side of a road. The yeah, picture of it God. is is in a real place. It's like it's in a place. Off of that, yeah. The artwork for the the last song we just listened to that is like so deconstructed, so digital, so un unreal, and taking like the sound of cars and making them as alien as possible. Now it's just like we're walking along a road, but you're being accompanied by some ghost voices. Yeah, and 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 the, and the like in the same way that like I love. Uh, BMW Xuan uh, Huan X5 for being a track that like reuses artificial media in a way that like forces you to think about its context and its process of production. This is a, a project in its entirety that does a similar thing, but like your way of doing that with voice is just fundamentally different. Your, your way of like associating mm -hmm. and recalling, like th the act of bringing things from the past into the present is very different when it's a voice compared to you know a thing that you're allowed to keep like as an object as an artifact in your head like you cannot do that in this album like every little like slippery voice is something that you want to get that kind of like verbal attachment to you want to get that kind of like sensuous relationship to it's not just a thing to be thought about it's a thing to be like given a relationship to um and so yeah like e each track sort of folds out as a and i'm not gonna say singular because there is like very distinctly common tonality and construction and like place i'd say to this album but each of them like experiments with a different way of like handing you a voice to hold on to and seeing which ways you peel apart from it because most of the lyrics are nonsense most of the lyrics are not coherent um they're generated syllables and patterns and timbres and harmonies out of massive data sets cobbled together from pop songs field recordings people speech like he, he details the process of like meticulously constructing an AI that could like do the kinds of things, like the kinds of garblings that he was after. Um, so yeah, like how you do and don't manage to keep a hold of this is such a slippery and exciting thing. So yeah, I've, I don't know if you two have. Yeah, no, that, that, that all point. makes a lot of sense to me. I think there's a really nice progression to it where over the course of the record the vocals get like increasingly less buried and just a little more coherent where yeah. you start to recognize like the outline shapes of them but then at the same time like you're saying there isn't that coherence per se it's very um surreal but like in in a way that i, I agree is very satisfying yeah i don't know i just think that like i, I think a lot of the skepticism skepticism going into like ai stuff right like a lot of it a lot of the kind of emptiness that people it goes back to this whole cynical versus sincere conversation around that dynamic shroud right like 
the the idea that when you're listening to like an AI Drake song or whatever, there's like that inherent gap between the real thing and that, and there's some sort of like like the uncanny valley is the obvious way to describe it but like that kind of like oh you're trying to reach something recognizable and, and approximate it and this is doing the complete opposite of that it is trying to create something that is expressing feeling through entirely like unrecognizable in the same way that i think like obviously instrumental music is just like trying to do the same thing without the use of words and i think this is truly like people talk about like singers that use the voice as an instrument but this is really like treating the textures of voice and then thereby like the associations we get in our brain when we hear an audio that resembles the human voice and the way that our brain is like trained to respond specifically to those frequencies because that's how we communicate to each other as people yeah like having something exist within that frequency range that is not a voice but is sort of performing the function that a voice would perform in the piece is like so fascinating um because i've always i've always really liked tracks where like i think shlomo has a lot of songs that do this really well where like a synth line that gets so whiny that it almost starts to sound like a human wail or cry you know what i mean mm. like in the same way that like i really always love big fan of synths that sound like guitars and guitars that sound like synths oh i'm also a very big fan of synths that sound like voices yeah um and i really like the i don't even know if it synths is sound AI, like guitars but... i wonder if we might talk about that in a moment Oh, we might, perhaps we will. But um, uh, I, 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 Lee Gamble, uh, Phantom Limb, that track, uh, Phantom Limb, I, I don't know whether that is a synth that comes into it or whether that's just a, uh, actually, I think that that is a voice. I'm pretty sure it is. But like halfway through that track, that kind of like almost buzzy, like whining uh, vocal that comes in reminds me a lot of like, Shlomo's dark red stuff and yeah. the way that he would use Ooh, both yeah. guitar, use like guitar and um, synth in these very drony ways that make you feel like the song is crying, um, and, and and that is how I feel about this track. Yeah, good. Phantom Limb is a, such a fascinating track because it comes after like it's this almost like jovial, like playful, like like kind of twitchy bouncy little thing straight after one of my favorite tracks of the year they're like it needs its awkwardness it needs to like restore the tension somehow like the, yeah. this album can't exist without that kind of like sensuous separation that you're talking about it can't exist without like being want like wanting the hook into the voice and not having being satisfied by it and like the, the the cool thing about she's not is it almost restores that to you just through the like sheer like gorgeousness of the music itself so it needs to like yeah. find a way of returning you to that like awkward place and phantom Moon does a yeah. really really special she's job of it. she's not is like the uh the chill out room attached to this rave that's happening yeah. you know like you have the first three tracks and then you step into she's not and it's like a, an oasis for four minutes and then you kind of get back into the yeah. sort of tension and unease of the rest of the record yeah good um fucking <sighs> With this album art, and I guess we might stumble into album watch early then. Uh, the the sort of like in like burn orange pink through like deep blue indigo color palette, 
and the, the the weird spaciousness and the disconnection and thrown away nature of the voices i c- cannot help but like listen to she's not and blurring and think about like pink and white and godspeed um oh i didn't even how did i not jump to a bond comparison how was i not the one to do that come on like, i don't know you're, you're, you're co- you copying my whole fucking cramping your, cramping your bar fucking for bar, bar for bar Okay, but you know that that is that is, yeah. I can I can definitely see that. I think I think I think there's a lot of like. N- instead of using reverb, I think we were sort of talking about this earlier about how letting the tails of reverb be the thing rather than the thing themselves. Yeah. Like, like the tails getting so much that they sort of form their own like atmosphere. Yeah, uh, she's not is definitely doing some some blonde like I, I mean you you could imagine she's not being there and then Frank singing like a top line over it or yeah one hundred percent and again like those tails have this like swell and like rise mm-hmm. to them that is deeply weird then I absolutely it's love. very it's very it reminds me of like Malibu's music yes. you know like wh- whose whose music is very oriented around like oceanic sort of ideas and about like tides that sort of come in and out but that does it in a very like natural relaxing way like it is trying to mimic like very earth rhythms Mm. and this is so much more living in the world of like surreal uncanniness yeah and again like it's terranian it is Mm -hmm. like planted on its feet next to a road with like a car buzzing by like in a in a sort of like late twilight that isn't light lit properly that you can't quite catch glimpses of what's off in the distance it feels like you are on earth but like you briefly stepped into some shadow realm version of earth that like all of the people are gone but like but you're just sort of walking around and there's like like when you're I, i haven't played dark souls but i understand that like when you <laughs> die in dark in dark souls that like you live leave a little ghost guy that is like doing uh that like you, you you go through the game and you see like the dead the people that died trying to get through the level whatever like the past memories of people but you're yeah. like by yourself i that that's that's the vibe i get from this record is like you're walking through an empty space but you can kind of feel like echoes of people being there and i mean i i hate to use in the reference to the cover i i'm gonna just be the worst and say the words liminal spaces oh, but yeah. like it's very much like here is a place that could be full of cars or people walking on the road or whatever but it's empty and but it's not yeah 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 Ooh, spooky what spooky. if there was a place and it was empty but Liminal space. Oh my god. I I I'm just now remembering that there's a liminal spaces Spotify playlist and getting so mad. <laughs> I want to see if there's any Lee Campbell in it now. Hold on. Let me let me let me pull it up. Uh, I got it. Getting liminal. furious. Uh, Poison tree grouper. Everything in its right place. Oh, uh, barf. Barf. Barf city. Um, Tubby Fox. Uh, what? All right. Oh wow. Oh my God. No Wait. way. Oh, there, there's an ambient project in here that I cannot name because I don't want to get in trouble. But my boss almost had me work this project, and it's mm. like one of those ambient projects that like has gonzo monthly listeners, and it's all dog shit. <sighs> um. So yeah, that's the kind. Of, but then you have that, and then like Silver Mount Zion, and like yeah. Teen Suicide also. Why is this is why this is, is an Undertale song on here? 
I, I do uh, not I'm, I'm I'm God is on here. Asiata Apex Twin is on here. I'm going to freak out. There are so many Spotify playlists that are just like, the internet is a thing, but like they, they just have vaguely like, here's who you are as a listener coded. Like there's like one that's like, a, um, the, the other one I really hate is called uh, Angel IRL or like IRL Angel. And it's just like, were you on Tumblr at some point in time? Do you like the song Limerence by Eva, Eve Tumor and Sex Tape by Deftones? Do I have a playlist for you? Oh. Which is me, but like, I, I don't, it, it's like, I don't it's, like I'm not, I, it's, like I, it's, 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 do not reduce me to that. Exactly. I am not just IRL Angel. Excuse you. But yeah, no, I, 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 returning from that awful tangent, liminal spaces. Yeah, it's like, it's like kind of a cliche idea, but I think this record is like getting at that in a really inspired way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's not me. She's not gone. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, a kind of, I, I'm like, I'm like with you up until the point, I think you were just right. I am also like with you up until the point I've realized like as a listener, I am forced to confront the sensation of it. Like I'm the one mm -hmm. grasping through the like slightly haunted, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slight, slightly like bizarre spaces. Mm -hmm. um, there is a- It's not empty. You're in, you're in yeah, the space for you're, sure. You're, like you are, if you choose to enter, you are stuck here with the like distinct feeling of like presence absence. It's like this is what you're dealing with. And like, that's a, yeah. that's a space in a psychological state that you can like inhabit yourself. Um, yeah, the, uh, I did want to bring up like, uh, during the production of this project, but before it got released, uh, his, uh, Lee Gamble's father died. And he said in an interview somewhere that like, he would have explained to his father how the, the AI stuff in the record by using the, um, that like final Beatles track that got released using like reconstructions mm -hmm. and like part strippings of John Lennon's vocals off demos, which is such a, a strange way. But again, like it's, it, it for me is like the most obvious and like almost like tragic example of like the, the, the reason there, there is a sense of tragedy or disconnection to this album is because of the, the, the aesthetics of AI itself, like what it does to timbre, what it does to voice, what it does to intelligibility. And that like the process of reconnection is a thing that like happens between people. Like that's an imagined process of like, oh, how does this work? Like, what can I retrieve from it? What can I understand from it? Like, what do I get out of this process of like taking this artifactual thing and making it make sense for myself? Um, yeah, it's like taking the uncanny valley that like we think that in the case of these less inspired uses of uh, AI in music, like that uncanny valley is like a ceiling on how enjoyable the thing can be. And this is like using that uncanny valley to create a feeling of emotional distance, of yeah. longing, of not being able to reach out and touch yeah, the thing that you feel yeah. the connection to. Yeah, I, I, I um, feel like this is the appropriate time to bring this up. Obviously, uh, AI and music, big talking point this year. Big, big, big thing people are saying about. And there have been exactly two or maybe three. I saw someone today saying that the Headache album was maybe written by ChatGPT. And now I have to rethink about that entire album again. But I also don't know if that's true. Uh, that's just like speculation based on like what the person who wrote the crack magazine album Ooh. of the year list said 
which by the way, Headache made the Crackout magazine album of the year list, which is Ooh, fucking cool. I say the, 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 headache... the vegan project, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the the vegan project is credited to a vocalist whose name, if you Google it, does not appear to be a real person. I literally just looked up the album. The first thing that came up was the Rough Trade website, and the thing said, Headache is a new project produced by Vegan, with all lyrics written by Francis Hornsby Clark and then performed by AI. So, you know, like, Hmm. this is is close at hand. (laughs) Yes, so that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, But... So that is the other one, and that is actually an interesting counterpoint we can talk about a little bit. But the other thing I was going to bring up, there have been two good uses of AI this year. It's that, and then the Little Spirits EP by Two Shell, which yeah. is like the exact opposite of what Lee Gamble is doing with AI in every single way, but also a little similar, because I think it, they both understand that like the, un, the, the artificiality, the fakeness of AI is something that you can't try to run away from or fix in the same way that like digital animation is obsessed with the idea of realism to like their own uh, self-destruction you know like every year we're gonna make a grand theft auto that looks a little bit more like real life but we're never gonna get there but for some reason we're gonna keep trying to make it look a little bit better at looking like real life but like but the real stuff that's coolest in the worlds of digital animation understands that like animation is a non-real medium and the best way to take advantage of that is to play with that to play with the fact that it's not real right yeah and so i think the things that are best in the world of ai are things that are not trying to recreate something that we know but is instead leaning into the fakeness and the two paths you can take with that is complete irony and pranksterism or complete sincerity yeah and i think two shell and lee gamble essentially took the two different paths in the wood there like the two shell record is using like the surreality of like flow and cadence with ai to like make jokes by having it rap and having the rap sound like the eminem um uh tribal warlord uh rap (laughs) you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. good oh terrifying um but like but like the Eminem Second Century Warlord video. But, like, that's what the Two Shell EP is. It's like, we're gonna make this as ridiculous as possible. We're gonna lean into the, like, and and having all of these, like, AI-generated voices be, like, these, like, wacky cartoon characters, essentially, that, like, jump in and out of the mix, like, announcing, like, all right, we're speeding up now, folks, and all this, like, silly, wacky stuff. And this album is, like, doing the same thing leaning into the artificiality but just in a to a completely different ends and yeah like i, I don't want to ignore like this is a very deeply song written album like oh oh totally yeah, and yeah, it like yeah. purple orange she's not blurring to me are just like some of the most like the intensely heartbreaking ambient tracks that i i've heard this year like mm-hmm. they need that sense of arrangement to like you know, it's it's not shying away from the in, intensely like I'm not saying manipulative, but very deliberate step through the the like process of like forcing your confrontation with these weird voices, and to do that, mm. it needs the like swell of emotionality that like wants to introduce connection and then like breaks it for you, which yeah, is yeah, yeah why it's why she, uh, she's not going to be very high in my tracks of the year, and why I really love the record because it's. It feels incredibly deliberate and also 
in incredibly like open-ended forcing you to this like very open like complex yeah. like strange confrontational process yeah this record makes so much sense on this episode like obviously with the that dynamic shroud album like there's a similar sort of thing going on where it's like song written like you're saying but it's also not structured that that it's it's finding the sort of it's, loops yeah. and hooks but it but it but it's it's playing with the way that those things are presented to you yeah and it's also living in those kind of like interstitial moments as opposed to living in the like climax yeah like much as much of the best ambient music does like it is introducing sensation and mood that allows you to explore your own responses to but um in in this very like capacious and like like generous way where it doesn't close or close off possibility yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the like the thing that does effectively do that is your own attachment to voice the thing the thing that's like hanging in the background is like the, the sort of threatening monkey in your brain that like hears a voice and like wants to understand it and intelligent uh, like what like, in intellect it wants to decipher yeah it. decipher you know and avoid the fucking yeah it's like the thing that like the reason why our dumb human brains want to have stereotypes about people have all these things like we want to be able to uh, receive information and put people or things into boxes we want to hear a voice and be like is this my friend or my enemy but your animal brain is 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 like always trying to what is this voice trying to communicate to me or whatever and and i think this is obviously like wanting to live in that space of lack of understanding kind of going back to the emotional i, I think it's funny yeah. that they uh that the the press bio for this on Bandcamp brings up Elizabeth Fraser and Lil Uzi Vert. I think yeah. that's very funny. I, I mean, um, but the I other also, one is I also think it's accurate. Tricky, yeah. Like there is a yeah, yeah. just like a, a deeply sludgy quality to this that just like yeah, you're not getting away from like you're being put in this mood. You're being put in this fucking frame mm -hmm. of mind. Like you're not getting you're, you're you're like you're submitting to this as much as you are like you're you're yeah. doing this high minded open ended exploration. Like no, like this has tasks it's trying to accomplish and it is succeeding at them. it's determinative yeah. emotionally yeah but it also requires some amount of you bringing something to it in the way that all ambient music does in the way that like cocteau twins does is yeah. like the fact that it's telling you what to feel but refuses to give you lyrics being like the reason why you're feeling that this way right now is because this is a song about a breakup or this is a song about someone that died and that's the way of like calming your brain down yeah. and being able to put that emotion into a recognizable bucket whereas this is just like you're gonna feel a thing and there's no point in even trying to understand quote unquote what it means because it's not trying Literal, to articulate yeah. an idea in that way oh hell yeah cover watch sure yeah uh let's, yeah let's do that. uh honestly not a whole lot to report on no. the you know actual behind the scenes here it's uh the photography was done by a fella went by the name of richard roberts um just it's i'll link his instagram in here in the hot singles text chat here um just pictures like he's a he's a photographer um uh -huh. it's i i can't see if he's done anything in an editorial sense uh, i don't know if he's ever been picked up for um like like a magazine project or like a photo shoot or anything uh he just takes good pictures 
and <laughs> I uh, like of like the Wolverhampton area and whatnot. This, fe- this feels um, intensely local in that sense. This feels very much placed, which uh-huh. is oh, uh, it looks like he co-wrote a Bibio song. Mm. Uh, I, I cool. found that his uh, his Bandcamp page as well. Oh hell yeah! England, it's a small place. It's it really smaller is. than California. <laughs> hell yeah! Okay, oh, I did not find his Bandcamp. Yeah, uh, m- musical project called Leatherette. But yeah, it says in the uh, band camp that the uh, record's front cover is a dimly lit photograph of a West Midlands roadway yeah. rooting Gamble's effervescent fantasies in a lived, albeit filmic reality. Literally what we were saying. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, yeah. like placing this in real life, even though, even it's, though it's, it's surreal. Yeah forcing, yeah. yeah, forcing a sort of like artistic or distant confrontation with it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Like for me, the, the key thing for this was the color scheme for some reason like this has the fucking twilight mirage ass the twilight mirage ass like twilight in a in a again a filmic is almost there but this is very much like almost aggressively like prettified in a sense like i like this is a, a shit way of expressing it but just like there are only certain moments and certain emotional tones that you're allowed to strike when the sky is that color and the the reflected light is the the the, the pinky the pinky orange that it it picks up like it, it it's the it's the motorway siding sometimes but often it's like beaches or mountains in in late evening and the the kind of emotional space you're allowed to have that you're encouraged to have that you um you scope out in those moments is a very special and very particular one so yeah i'm losing my mind right now because there's a photographer that this cover really reminds me of and i follow him on instagram i'm pretty sure but i cannot fucking find it and i'm losing my mind but we're just gonna have to move on unfortunately so bad if i if i if i pull it up later i will i will circle us back but i'm i may have i may have to scroll through my entire instagram (laughs) following in order to find it which would be unfortunate but good podcast it's one of those situations Um. Yeah. Why don't we maybe? Or do we have anything else to say about yeah, this record? Any more bits and pieces? I think. I liked it. I don't think I said anything this entire time. I was just silently agreeing with everything you guys were saying. But Damn. I liked it. Is it? Were there any moments for you? Just like I. I know. I've been, yeah, yeah. I just talked about. She's not because I think it's a basically perfect track. Like any other moments. No. Yeah. Like it's me? again. It's she's not was like the big like whoosh. Uh, yes. Point for me. It's I. I listened to this on the bus to and fro. Uh, my commute and it's uh it was great it was great uh it's i felt uh it, it's i was very ruminative um yeah. instead of like I, I was thinking about shit i my language is failing me i think uh in, it's the difference between like yo and then like yo parentheses solemn this is lee Gable's you know? worst nightmare and it's just me like thinking heavily on the bus <laughs> Uh, no, you just got to do it in a cool hat, and then it's all fine. It's true. Bro, no, it's fuck- good. It's I. I like this record. I'll listen to more Lee Gamble, uh, yeah. especially that uh, the fucking uh, the BMW vroom, vroom. track. Yeah, yeah, I'll put that I, shit on. That is one of my interlude gang peaks. Like that's an all timer for me. Hell yeah. Um. Yeah. God. Like almost bouncing off the fucking Faith and Persona chat. Like she's not as a track that like it. That the ecstatic but fake voice key shifting it out of this like low dubby like introduction section just like completely completely in a different key completely with a different tonality 
it just exploding into a completely new sensation and then having all these like beautiful little loops broken up by another like perfect pop cadence da, 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 and like sliding back into the loop shockingly similar in how much it like knows that the like ecstatic properties of pop form are the thing that are going to like keep you attached except instead of like sincerity and upfrontness um it's bashing over the head with how like disconnected it is it's such a terrible terrible feeling and i love it so much Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh good um we get to move on yeah I'm sure we will have quite a lot to say about this last one, yeah, yeah, so let's yeah. just let's just dig right let's, in. Let's just fucking go. Uh, it's time. So, Jackie, what did you? What have you brought? What what have you? What have you brought, frankly? I have brought the eleventh question mark. Question mark. OPN album.
I think I remember Magic OPN being 10, I feel Jeez. like. So that's why I'm yeah. saying that. So it's just to, to fully establish this, Keith Rankin is now the, the second artist we've had on Hot Singles for a second time. And in the same episode, we're having OPN on for the third time. <laughs> so this is, this is his 10th again. album. Uh, yeah. Magic OPN was the, ten, was the ninth. And again is the tenth record, which is a very funny bit. Is to is to be this many, like I I really like that this album could essentially also be called another one. Yeah, uh, DJ another Khaled one. style. Uh, neither, one six point never again, baby. Yeah. Or, or the, you could also call this album One of Tricks Point Never Most. I feel like this is just, this might be the most OPN, OPN album. Best is a conversation we could have separately, yeah. but most is, is, I think it has a pretty good um, uh, claim at that title. Yeah, I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree. I saw so many people... Um, like ring themselves in knots to be like it's oh this is like uh r plus seven with strings like oh it's like no this is all of it man this is this it's is, all this of is it him. in a very this is just different him. way than yes. the last one it's is. like so i think immediately it feels in conversation with the album before it when you hear yes it. yes absolutely it's i think um and it's this is going to this it's i've had a long-standing theory that uh, Magic OPN, the OPN record before this one, um, was intended to not so much be as an album, but more so as a portfolio for... Um, that is that is very much the vibe. For yeah. larger companies to pick him up and give him, like, uh, like to like listen to it and see, like, oh, he's got stuff with The Weeknd. Uh, Weeknd. Um... And uh, it's he's 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 worked on that Adam Sandler movie. Let's uh, let's see what uh, let's see what else I, he's I, got here. I, I think it has that cynical reading of it. I I am probably I am one of the most pro Magic OPN people I know. I think I really mm. like that album more than yeah. You're the from L.A. That makes oh. sense. <laughs> <laughs> I I oh God I I just need to retire now. The episode's over. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna keep on and say, <laughs> I, I I think I think that album for me manages to beat the um this is my resume uh album uh, allegations because OPN's music inherently is self-examinatory. Yes, and so to me the idea like there seem to be some people that are frustrated by the fact that now this many years into the OPN album, every OPN album is as much in conversation with the idea of an OPN album as it is like its own standalone thing. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I think there are some people that are just like, you used to make albums. It feels very similar to the arc that like, people went on with death grips where like for a while death grips were constantly like every album is we're breaking the wheel and we're reinventing it and then at a certain point they're like okay we make death grips albums now and you know mm -hmm. what that is generally and i think the last two opn albums feel like him asking the question of okay now that like an opn album is something that has enough data points 
that it's harder and harder to break out of, he starts looking inward and starts making these records that feel like, I mean, in a, in a way that is only befitting the guy who made an album called Replica. It's like, what <laughs> did you think he was going to do? Eventually, mm-hmm. he was going to start yes. doing the Replica on himself. And I, it's, I think, uh, we're, we're, we, to, to, to extrapolate out of that further, we are past the point where there is a mystique to OPN. I would also um, agree with that. It's yep. we now. It's like it's we call him Dan. We know him to be a uh, skinny nerd who, uh, like, anytime he says something, he goes or not. I'm a piece of shit. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it's for every single creative decision that he has ever made. Dude's uh, rock. It's, he's so cool. I love Dan so much. He's so fucking awesome. I don't um, know if this has ever come up on the other two episodes, but I just need to share my number one favorite uh, Dan anecdote, which is that um, a Dan anecdote. He had, if a, you may. He had a uh, a bad um, no hold no sorry Jackie, we just need a moment to to hit Bo on the head with some like inflatable hammers. Wow! No, Thwack. come on, that was good. I'm good. It was it, it was it was good. No, Thank you, everyone, Jackie. Um, everyone everyone likes D- big hammers, Daniel. Sorry. Daniel Lopatin would have a screen. He, like he had his whole like live setup. He's got his, mm-hmm. his computer and he's got all these things. Got he had one graphics. dedicated. He had his one dedicated screen on stage. That sole reason for being there was so that he could have his fantasy basketball homepage yeah. up and <laughs> be able to check to see um, how the Celtics game was going during his set. Um, the, the liege, my liege, my lord, I love you. King. Just the, Anyways. the right way to live, frankly. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, Swag. But anyways, uh, yeah. No, you're you're totally right about the like. There is no longer a sort of mystique, and I think that is the thing about this record in particular, even more so than the last one, that is kind of rankling the people that seem to not be responding to it, which is that this is the first OPN album in a while, and he's talked about this in interviews, that is not really conceptual in like a explicit yeah. sort of way. It, it, it is and like, it isn't, It's right? got pieces, it's got scraps, and we can talk about the scraps, but like you're right, fundamentally, yeah. He talked about basically that the last record, right, is doing a little bit of everything that he does, but it's all doing it in the context of a very defined and communicated, this is like a radio station broadcast. And, like, it's very mm-hmm. explicitly, um, he he created that album partly out of the process of doing the depressive Danny uh, mixtape series for the Safdie Brothers Elara radio mm-hmm. station, which I don't know if either of you have listened to those. No, nope, they fucking the, they're rule. awesome. They're awesome. They fucking slap, whip, honk, etc. Like Whenever, he plays like uh, stuff from like the Chopping Mall soundtrack, and then he'll play like a rap song about weed that I've never heard before. That's hilarious. Uh, it introduced me to the the. And Hell the best yeah. song of all time, um, um, which is, what's my call it? Um, uh, this is the day, the great, one of the best songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, I was, I was gonna say it's, it's always, it's always great whenever Dan gets on the ones and twos. Uh, I remember a, uh, a mix that he did around the Age of era, yes, where it's he just put up a, it's the song, the shop theme from Evergrace. Uh, mm-hmm. in in one of the mixes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play I'm gonna show you guys this because uh, it's it's great. Uh, buying goods at Palmyra. 
It's I want you guys to uh, temper expectations. This is by the goat Kota Hoshino. It's a uh, uh, Buku already dialed in. They know, but uh, it's this is double music. It's double music. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, this is double music for sure. It's it's cranking a big dial labeled music. It's uh, imagine walking into any store and this is what they're playing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then, but then it like it like gets back into its group. Anyway, it's uh, this was before Evergrace. You, you, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like you're walking into a store, but then every three seconds a different reality. You walk into a different store, and yes. then that music is like piped into the store you're in, and it's like it's awesome. Double it, or like those videos where it, like it speeds up every time someone says a certain word. You know, absolutely that, that sort of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, just. Before, it's like, uh, you know, uh, everybody, uh, quote unquote, in my circle knew what the Evergrace soundtrack was. Dan was there, and I was like, yes, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, anyways. It can be very validating to see someone who is tapped into the same niche bullshit that you are, and that is one of the pleasures Dan offers to his many fans. Yes. But I also think that, like, in addition to being a, a resume-ass hire me to, to make the soundtrack of The Curse album but also being like it fe it felt to me at the time i part of why i probably thought it was the 10th opn album it really felt like not just like looking back on what he had done so far but like closing the book on it because like the whole album features those interstitials that all come from radio broadcast a uh, station um State announcements of station format changes. So, like, the samples all come from these radio broadcasts in which, like, a particular FM feed that maybe for 10 years was, like, golden oldies, and now, like, the higher-ups at the radio station have decided that this particular station is going to be the country channel. And uh -huh. so they have to make an announcement on the air. And, and, and there's that one particular interlude where it's, like, the dreams of our past reality don't speak to the the present of today or whatever and there's like this like weird like mournful quality to them that's basically like like okay music is over now now it's going to be post music or whatever like and it feels like this record has i mean and then this record being called again is very funny in that context where it's like okay now we do another one of these but for the first time and he talks about this in the in, in the interview process around this record. There were a couple of very good interviews for this record, yes. as there are usually when he... But he talked about basically how he went into this record with, like, some vague ideas of concept in mind, particularly about... I think he, he originally was sort of saying, like, my next one is going to be a Garden of Delete 2 type situation where it's going to be a return to this idea about, like my adolescent self and like uh, guitar music and some of those things but he says explicitly that somewhere in the creation process of this record he decided that he was sort of trying too hard to get all of his ideas to neatly circle back around to that that predetermined concept and what he did instead to finish this record is to sort of instead think about this record as a amusement park ride 
basically to think about it as instead of like okay every song on this record has to fit into like this larger commentary that every song on it is essentially it's like own unique like sensory experience that can be defined each song unto itself so even though there are like obvious like hallmarks of his sound and even like specific callbacks to certain eras of his music like there are various moments of where you like hear a part and you can be like oh this sounds kind of like blank past opn album mm-hmm. or this sounds but it's, it's not like the last record where it feels like it's constantly turning the radio station to all the different flavors dan can offer you and it's like mm-hmm. now it's a pop song and now it's a this song this feels more like just taking all those ideas and decontextualizing them in a way that's similar to the last two records we're talking about, but also like following them to their logical conclusions, which is why I say this record feels like the most Dan album is because it feels like he's going back to these past sounds that he's dabbled in before, but being like, okay, maybe I held back a little or restrained a little, or maybe didn't take this idea as far as I could in the past now i am going to like climax it like i am going to take an idea that i've had sort of bouncing around my head and do it like the most like complete statement i can possibly and so this record really does feel like his epic in a way i've seen a lot of prog rock comparisons to this record which we can maybe get into when we get to like memories of music Mm -hmm. um but like it feels very grand and ambitious and i think the thing that people are rubbing up against in that is that like because there isn't a clear and obvious like this whole record is made up of like uh samples from old commercials like our replica is or this whole record is there's no like uh elevator pitch for this record mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right like every every song is forcing you to like greet it on its own terms and so the the danger of that is that if you're listening to this record and only like 70 percent of the songs are hitting as hard as you want to it's very easy to just be like ah this is all right 6.9 no shots to sam goldner who i think wrote a very good (laughs) review of this record yeah uh even though i don't i mean sam sam's a great writer in that like i opened up the review and was like so pissed off and then i finished the review and i was like okay fair enough yeah but like uh yeah i th- i think that it's very understandable to me why some people had the reaction to this that they did you mm-hmm. know but yeah what do you what do you all think of this record i'm curious yeah but you want to uh, go for it i i know what my takes are on it they, they can bounce what jackie says but you go first yeah it's i it's a uh, um so it's i listened to this before alexis and uh it's alexis is like okay like it's just let me know because uh, it's I don't it's about me me and her uh, we are it's uh, we are not as hot on Magic OPN as maybe some guests of our mm-hmm. podcast uh, currently are but um, uh, it's I remember like it's I, I needed a minute to sit with it um, because it's there are so mm-hmm. many it's again it is it is an OPN album a full course meal there's it's, a lot to digest it, it is so and it's it it's it's pulling so much it like it's like literally deliberately pulling from other opn songs like um mm-hmm. i mean like plastic antique uh is like you know that that's the obvious example uh 
yeah. where it is it's literally just uh what is it it's fucking problem areas that's it yes it's uh, it's literally just like playing granular uh snippets of problem areas but like nightmare paint as well uh the nightmare midpoint, paint the, the the midpoint has that um like lost but never alone guitar solo off opn magic yes. uh by the it fantastic Nate joyce um and then that like two to three minute mark sounds like that like lower brit like that when i bite through it uh gets like really nice and quiet yeah it's it's oh. it's it's not it's not a portfolio or like a resume or like a proof of concept or anything. It's like a mega mix. That that's a that's a good way of saying it. It is, and of course, like motherfucker made replica. Of course, he's making a deja vu album that starts <laughs> with one of the coolest details of this album. If anyone doesn't know this, elsewhere the opening track on this record. Yeah. Do you do you both know? Um, how he created the first 10 seconds of this album. I do, do I br- do. It's, I, I was going to drop I this one. You, you do oh it. Oh my god. Yes, this is so fucking cool. Okay. There were uh, a bunch of, I believe mostly string musicians that were arranged for a recording session for this record that are all over the record in various places. <laughs> but when they were done for the day, Dan said to all of them, okay, I want all of you to think about something you played today and I want you to think about it and don't say it out loud. Just like try to think back on our session today and think about something you played that you liked playing. And on the count of three, without you communicating to each other, I want you to all from memory play that thing that you liked playing earlier today. And so the, the like orchestra starting up sound at the very beginning of this record is the sound of a, symphony of musicians playing different things from memory that they had just played earlier in the day but all at the same time to create this like completely out of control sound and that shit is so fucking cool but oh, also it's so is so sick. so clearly like a uh, a turnkey for the whole record and how this whole record is like trying to I mean mother I, I don't I can't believe it took this long to say it memories of music is the most like I'm writing a parody of a 10 tricks point never song <laughs> title song yeah. like I cannot believe it took him this long to just be like okay fine the song is called memories of music Wait, are you happy on. we I'm already get- have a fucking at the end of a Oh Jesus! What what's the track called? Last known remnant. But the I'm gonna. Oh, yeah, yeah, last known yeah, yeah. image what, of a song. Last known image of a song. Yeah. Like, we already have that. Like that is close enough. Like I, I feel Re- resident, like resident resident age no, of soldier coming needed, in clutch. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, needed yeah, to be more obvious. It needed to. We needed yeah. to just say the quiet part loud and just be like, fine. Yeah, yeah, the song right. is called Memories of Music. <laughs> Uh, uh, but it's 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 he picked the right song. He waited so long, and he did pick the right song to call "Memories of Music." Yeah. I will give him. No, that. that's that's right. Um, but yeah, what were we just saying? Um, no, yeah, yeah, the 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 intro and the the remember song you played today thing, that feels very instructive. But then, like, I think the problem is is that some people are like, okay, that's the concept. Now I'm going to use that to crack this whole album. And there's something, I think, rewarding about the way that it never quite 
neatly fits into something like some kind of reading like that like there is no bucket that you can put this whole album into that allows you to sort of neatly like put it on a shelf and categorize it kind of going back to what we were talking about about the last two records right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like it is constantly um leaning into your expectations of what an opiate album is doing but then will like hey remember when we did this okay now we're doing that again but now we're gonna push past that mm. now we're gonna go like th- this album is very like much like that the 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 famous peggle 2 gif where he jumps in sick two <laughs> yeah like, peggle two. Every, every song in this album is like we're gonna do it but bigger and 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 longer and more more and i i think that's really cool uh, I like this record a lot. I will say, going back to to be fair to you and your Magic OPN skepticism, my very first reaction to this album was, okay, I get why people were saying the last one was kind of mid, because this is smacking me in a way that an OPN album hasn't smacked me in a while. Especially with, like, I think the two songs for me that are, like, the songs of this record are Crumville and Nightmare Paint. Just because every OPN album, the real thing I want to get out of it is I want to hear some shit that I just have never heard before in my entire life. I want to be like genuinely, no one has scratched an itch like this in my brain before, but also this is kind of reminding me of seven things that I like at the Mm -hmm. same time. Uh, And Crumbville in particular is one of my five or ten favorite OPN songs ever. I think Crumbville is like so special and i think is the first time after years of him doing the it's referential to alt rock it's like i i heard nirvana on the radio and i'm trying to channel my memory like i'm not a garden of delete person if you haven't been able to pick up that <laughs> subtext Gosh. um Shocking. uh and and i think crumville is the first time i'm like okay this is the first time I've really bought into the this is like what if a Smashing Pumpkins song got OPNified. It's, uh, it's and it j- rules. It's sick. It's it so rules cool. So it's much. J- Jack, Jackie, so the thing is, j- the thing is, is Garden of Delete isn't like alt rock. It's Doom Two. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, I get. I and get it's what you're it's it's for the gamer. It's for the true. It's for the true murderheads. Uh, not that any of you would know, but it's, you know, it's, if you haven't played an American McGee <laughs> level, the it's, Garden it's of the Lake. Okay. It's for the okay. children of rage. That's it's, who it's for. It is, it is for the children of rage. Big flaunting uh, Look, see me in Quake. It's, let's talk about it. Um, no, 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 no. It's fucking, uh, Crumbville is so good. It's, oh my god, dude. Oh. Uh, starts i i once i forget i think i was just like going out to a bar or something but i had been listening to this album a lot that week i listened to crumville like six times in a row in an uber and was just like living in this song for a Hell while yeah. and i do i do think that's the coolest thing about this record 
is that it's it functions less as an album than most OPN records. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, to take apart. I was about to say it, but like, but like in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that that's why some people maybe like rubbed up against it. But like, this is a choose your own adventure ass album where. I think it does work as like a full statement. Like the first time I listened to it, just like letting it rock the whole way through. I, I, I will say I'm a little biased toward this record because I will admit I was um, chemically aided by both substances and a milkshake <laughs> while oh, listening to this yeah. record for the oh, first yeah. time. So it's... I was just like have it having a, a, a perfect Thursday night. Um, and uh, I loved this record my first way through, but like, you can pick apart this record in a way mm-hmm. that almost no OPN album has allowed you to. And I think part of that is that like extension of song structure Yeah, that like every, every track is not content with being like interlude gang. Every track needs to carry its idea to the finish line and reach some kind of like cacophonous finish. And because of that, they feel like they are able to stand alone and then in that way you can kind of be like am i in the mood for low korean midwest or do i kind of just want to jump to body trail and nightmare pain yeah. or do i kind of just want to do the last couple tracks as their own little suite yeah like for, which also will, adds to this like hard to remember can, what this album is way you know what i mean like, yeah can i it, can i uh, can i do the most like glib smug positioning of all time and like do it call this like this is like opn's wildflower in that way i i can fuck with that i will i will i i don't like that album (laughs) i love wildflower that's 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 where i'm coming from with it I, but I I I, I hear that, that was not a classic like boot cannon like devastating burn. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you and I see you. Uh, okay. Um, as far as I, the 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 comparison, I do I, I, I do not recognize that, this comparison. I'm choosing to not hear or see. <laughs> you know what I think of it more as you know. Uh, this is I I have a really bad uh habit of of calling albums someone's life of Pablo. But I think there are oh. two. There are two records this year that qualify actually for being someone's life of Pablo, and those two albums are OPN's again and Lana Del Rey's. Did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Because that is a record that is like so overstuffed and like should not work, but like succeeds in spite of itself. You know, mm-hmm. because of the singular I'm, genius of the person putting it I'm together. Grimacing. I was gonna say that sounds like Lana. I'm grimacing. Uh, I don't like that album at all. You don't <laughs> like the new Lana album? I do not, and I don't want to put it next Aww. to fucking Life of Pablo. Never mind again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jackie. Oh, that's this, fascinating. It's, oh, this Jack, is tough it's, for me. I'm I'm so I know, Jackie. I mean, Jackie I'm, I'm is very a Jackie. Lana pilled in the I know. Last couple of years. You, it's Jackie. And, you're a real Lana soldier. That was. I think that this has been rough for you to. I'm really uh, sorry. But, 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 but to be honest, we already, but, but, already got the you're from LA digging right at the start of the section. So I mean, we, like, we, we don't. We, we don't, don't even need Lana. to. Yeah, we don't. We don't. But you know what I mean in terms of like. Yeah, I do. That that album is dumping the whole thing in. Uh, in a way that other Lana albums have done, but like I really dislike, um, for example, uh, Honeymoon is like probably my least favorite one, and that was a record that was like the first time she tried to make a I'm doing all of the Lanas at once sort of thing, and I think this record, uh, it's like overreach and it's like um, 
trying to do too much like works to its favor to like this kind of sublime maximalism and that is how i feel about that record and this record where it's like look you definitely bit off more than you could chew but you're a really good chewer and you made your way through it and 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 put that on the fucking pull quotes really good chewer <laughs> <laughs> but right you, you get what i'm saying like this record is trying to really stretch its arms out wide and is really trying to do a lot but then it also kind of in doing that lets you take it on its own terms because when i'm in the flow of it when i'm letting the whole thing rock i'm like oh yeah this all makes perfect sense and then i think i said this right before we started recording but like it's like a dream where you like the spatial geography when you're in a dream it's like oh yeah i was at my high school element i was at like the lockers by my high school and then i like walked across the street and then i was at a location that is nowhere near my high school and it, and i don't question it at all but then like when i wake up in the morning i was like wait none of that made any sense and that's how i feel about this record in a good way where like when i'm in the flow of it i'm just like of course yeah and then Locrian Midwest happens, but then when I'm like trying to remember what happens in this album and in what order, it is just like a soup, but in a good way. Yeah. And I think that's a very intentional thing. I mean, motherfucker, memories of music, like, yeah, it, it, it's very much playing with your ability to hold on to it. I'm writing down throughout. soup, but in a good way, because I'll come back to it. Oh, good. But yeah, it's, there's no uh, bad way for soup to be as Alexis. Yeah, Alexis, you talk. Hey, hey, hey I, I will say this first of all. Um, as a as an artist of renowned proportions, um, <laughs> I can't drink. I, 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 I can't drink soup. I can't do it. It's literally physically impossible for me. So, uh, it's. I sympathize with you, and I'm very sorry. It's yeah, the it's, the world of soup should be for everybody, and I'm sorry that it has failed you. And I'm I'm so sorry on its behalf as well. Um, God. This fucking album. Um, I love I love the framings that we have to hand and the, the bits and pieces that I like. Oh, so many feelings. One of the you mentioned there were a bunch of really good interviews about this. By any chance did either of you read the mm -hmm. one on NinaProtocol.com? Yes, I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By Emil I can't read. We learn things about boot cannons every day. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what up, Buchanan? By the way, I'm 25 uh, and I never fucking learned how to read. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I don't fully understand what Nina Protocol is. I understand it's trying to be sort of like a Bandcamp replacement that's like a music platform yeah, and yeah, also yeah. journalism. But I like that Nina Protocol sounds like the name of someone that would be signed to like uh, Warp. Yes, 100%. Uh, it's, I, 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 it's, <laughs> even if they're not signed to Warp, they got, uh, they, they're in the bleep top 10. Yes, 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 for sure, exactly. Like a release on Pan, maybe a release on Migo, like you know, one hundred percent, exactly. Um, so in that, it delivered one of the potential framing devices, which we sort of like gestured around, but haven't quite like grabbed onto. Which is Dan Lopatin, college student at Boston College, trawling mm -hmm. through soul seek, um, like whole genre playlists and lists, and grabbing whole albums and doing insane amounts of listening for whole genres in his dorm room, particularly focusing in this case on post-rock, like just digesting whole genres in big fucking mm -hmm. chunks through like soul seeking and collective server dumps with his, uh, his like college buddies. O opening up, rate your music and clicking on the genre. And just like and downloading the 40 albums. 100. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it that way. Um, mm -hmm. So there was one part of me which is like really interested in like, opn album 
No, no, because I, I fully agree. Like, this is not an album with the same kind of overarching, organizing narrative structure. Um, mm-hmm. But there is this element of like, okay, this is the, the, the second OPN album that really cares about guitar music. And it's the second OPN album that like really, well, it's an, it's an OPN album that like has the guitar solo and like virtuosity is more musical property, like really at its forefront. Which is genuinely quite distinct from what's happened before. Like there is a there's a sense that definitely that like even on Gardner's Elite, which is the other like guitar album, the um the mode of exceptionalism is sound design and texture and awe. And it isn't really technical virtuosity because like every guitar yeah. part in there, I'm thinking about some of the like more like scrapey scrangly bits I'll put a clip in here, I'm sure. Nightmare Paint is the kind of track that, like, you get to the second half of it, and, like, you could just imagine people playing that guitar part in ensemble. Like, it's real. It's it's organized around a slightly more, like, digestible form. It, it wants to make itself intelligible as the kind of real form that it's referencing. For, for literally the first time in One Hundred Tricks Point Never's career, there are parts of this album that sound like people jamming in a room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that that is such an uncanny thing to return to when, like, so much of the rest of the album, like, one of my favorite moments, Wild Outside, um, track that starts in, like, chaos. Um, and again, with this, like, very deliberately confrontational and awkward way that sort of resolves itself into just like a pop track. perfectly upfront and beautifully pop presented vocals like in a way that like he clearly was uncomfortable with on age of and even magic like he has found a way to present his vocals with clarity and space around them rather than disguise and while that side is a track that needs to work very very deliberately from chaos and aggression and confrontation to um like the smoothness and spaciousness to be able to present a pop vocal and that, that that's just like fascinating for me that like he understands that he needs to slide from one part of the the sonic space to the other um so i wanted to have yeah. that in mind like there is kind of a framing thing going on in my head which is like the guy sitting at the computer desk seeing spectating the entire genre of whether it's you know like you can imagine him doing the same with like fucking sludgy metal and coming out with Gardens Elite but like okay this one drags from fucking Stereo Lab and Tortoise more than anything whatever so be it yeah the thing that fucking happens soup soup but in a good way I'll get there um Spectator this is an album about being the guy trawling through the albums at a distance 
This is an, an album mm-hmm. about that sensation of disconnection. That's a, this is an album about the sensation of being in the um, audience fuck, and not yeah, fucking yeah, finding yeah, intelligible. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is soupy to me, not because it's merely ambitious, not because it's merely like confrontational in some moments and not in others. This album does have a time and place for me in the same way that like Garden of Delete like has like dingy basement club with like a, a like a really electronic aggressive new metal in the same way that like um, Age of is like the world's scariest uh, Fleetwood Mac record. Like there, there is a time and place for me in this, in this record. Put that on the sticker oh, for God's God. sake. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this album has a time and place for me and it is Yuppie New York Gallery 2007 with much video installations of performance art in it. And I'd say this very fucking specifically because this is an album of distance to me. This is an album to be spectated. Um, this is an album where I imagine myself walking from room to room and seeing like a Marina Abramovich piece on a large CRT playing in a corner with a gallery tag on the wall, whitewashed walls and high ceilings and no one else in the room and me watching minute 40 of an 80 minute piece for several minutes feeling the discomfort of alienation of spectating a thing that i am not inside and moving into another room um and i feel the same way about this that it's like constructed specifically like the gallery like the gallery space and then we'll get onto fucking cover watch in a second like it is constructed the white wall like modern art space as it's like canvas for the the kind of spectator Mm -hmm. sport that he was doing in a dorm room to the same kinds of artifacts like this is the like i know exactly what you're this saying. is the like, read that i have things in my are unlocking in my brain yeah i'm i'm liking this a lot so yes. it, it's an album that like very deliberately wants to lean into the i wasn't there for that or i can't place that or tell me about that or you someone says you just use your ears and well that doesn't help like this is an album that mm-hmm. deliberately wants to obfuscate context and placement for the sensation of spectating things and that's an, a sensation that like it's really fucking gripping, but it's also not the one that we used to get, which is the like feeling of real interiority. Like the feeling that you've like got inside the trick, like the feeling that you can grok yeah. an OPN album um, when you like know where the samples come from, when you know where the MIDI, uh, the MIDI sound fonts are. Um, yeah, the other OPN albums are burrowing into one specific world that he's choosing to burrow into. And this record, like you're saying, it very much gives it's trying to like be in conversation with the idea of someone like mainlining the entire moo uh like top whatever albums in a way that is like doing a disservice to the music it's like it's like kind of playing with that idea of that like when we have all music at our fingertips you have so many reference points and things you can pull from and you could be so record collector literate in a way that's so much easier than it used to be but like the ease of access to that often creates a sort of hollowness to that exercise or is like okay yeah you can listen to everything but you're sort of skimming the surface of all those things and then that ties in so fucking nicely with what you're saying about like I, I, I think in Sam's review, he describes it as like sculpture yeah. work in a certain there, There's way. something and deeply procedural and observational about it, which is... Yeah, yeah. you walk into the, this thing that is already happening and you only can perceive of it in the sort of limited way that you can. And that's sort of what he's doing to all these different 
kinds of music. Yeah. So I totally, I totally get that. So this is where I sort of get onto the like, if this album has a framing device, it's the first and last tracks, which are the like orchestral heavy ones. Elsewhere feels mm-hmm. like a staging to me, like you know, like yeah, yeah. a preparation for an environment that will be explored. Mm-hmm. And a belly that path functions both as like the return texturally and sonically to the like like thematic content that introduced and framed the piece. It also like I'm guessing you both saw the video for this. Yes. Like it feels to me like I don't know drive through like. I don't know what that fucking called in the States, but drive through like smaller back roads to get to university or get back from university in like late December to go back to your family or something like that. There is a a, stink, a distinctly like homely and like the, that 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 video wants to place you in the in the passenger seat of a car. I I I don't quite get that, but that's for me that song is like departure from real world completely the very first song i i thought of when i was listening to bare lit path is a uh, contact by daft punk yeah okay it feels very Ooh. like 2000 it feels very like 2001 we are like ascending to meet the monolith to me is mm. how i feel about that song like especially the way that the video has, uh, yeah i was like, gonna such, it's such, a, such video. emotional god build to video. it oh my god it's so good but like i think that this song being the last song i think you're so right that like it's a very important framing device because the other thing that he mentions in that nina protocol interview as a reference point is the rate your music yeah. genre of crescendo chord yes which is a incredibly stupid uh title of a genre but also it's very telling that like he was thinking about Godspeed You Black Emperor with yeah, this yeah, yeah. album 100%. because every single one of these songs is doing a very post rocky like okay let's take like the component parts of an idea in the case of post rock like taking alternative rock and giving it like this open stretch of time that it's allowed to expand out into that allows us to take these component parts and decontextualize them and all that sort of stuff and like every so many songs on this record feel like they are doing like ubiquity road right before it kind of does the same thing where it's like taking an idea and spending five minutes like slowly ramping you up the escalator of that idea until it reaches like the the climax and i think i think a lot of almost every track on this record is doing some kind of journey-esque linear, linear structure in that way, and it, that's what makes it feel so different than a lot and of it's, other. OPN I mean, literally albums. compare it. My other, well, well, I say my other is if I de- decree this is the the one B to my upper seven one A. Like, I don't think I believe that just yet. But like, upper seven is my favorite RPN album, and it's literally explicit in all the interviews and stuff around it that like he avoided that mode of like linear or narrative like horizontally yeah. organized composition like that was the explicit project mm-hmm. in upper seven is to like organize it vertically um and now he's like going the other direction this, it's, with the it's same narrates itself this is this is exactly it that like an album that is like obsessed with obscuring its own narration is such a narratively driven and like progressive album yeah hey there's the word there's there's the link that's the progginess of it like and, and i mean that that gets into the the, the prog rock yeah, exactly, of it all, exactly you know that's clearly like a big like i i am famously not a prog rock person like prog is often a word that i i retreat from uh and part that may entirely be with like my experiences interacting with king gizzard fans or whatever like 
But when I hear memories of music, and I did listen to a couple of songs by this band to, to confirm that I was that the misread is like semi-accurate. Memories of music to me sounds like if you took a Rush song and like turned it inside out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there, there's something yeah. about the drums on that song that sound like not a drum machine, but like a robot playing the drums. And there's something about the way that, that that song feels like it just like, like in a very post-rock way, but not in the explicit path that post-rock takes to getting there. It's like taking the component parts of a rock song, drums and guitar and bass, and just like arranging them into a new shape. But that shape is not just like a Godspeed You Black Emperor song. It's like something very different that kind yeah. of pulses. And then you get to the fucking synth solo in the minute where it's literally just like, and there are lots of OPN songs that have- The guitar like synth very, song, yeah. Yeah, very riffy. I mean, like all over the fucking Uncut Gem score, yes. like all over the Good Time score, he's just like doing guitar solo shredding, but with synths. I mean, again, this and, is Gundam Delete, like in explicit form. Like this is very similar timbres and everything to what was was being yeah, thoroughly yeah, totally. yeah um yeah god cool. i i will say like memories of music is really funny because there are minute two in that track screams to me fucking angel mark Lloyd, like fire tools or um not like oh, not oh my god how did it, that that's such a good that's a great fucking call yeah so fire toolsy but yeah, yeah like yeah, like yeah, in yeah. that very mm. similar way of like rediscovering the again intensely sincere um, like direct, passionate way of using the the like MIDI band toolkit, <laughs> and like yeah, yeah. Not, like for, it just so happens like non-local forecast, the holographic universe is like one of my favorite favorite albums. Like absolutely obsessed with that like prog jazzy approach to to like string out the sound palette. It's fucking yeah. delightful. It also has a very um, eternal home, which is my introduction to Fire Tools and probably still my favorite mm -hmm. Fire Tools record. Um, has a similar choose your own adventure yes. uh, oops oops I put all the ideas in the album uh, sort of structure to yeah, it yeah. it literally is a four disc record <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, I and like you can consume the disc as their as their own individual little mini albums or you can just let the whole thing rock or you can just jump around and be like I love this one song and I think yeah immediately that connection makes a lot of sense to this record both in terms of like you're saying like the the very kitschy sound font type uh juxtaposition of like very extreme music with very like lounge music and all that stuff yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah like the, yeah, figuring yeah, yeah. out the, the reuse and like repurposing of all those textures for something completely new like the part especially the parts of that yeah. record that um just when they circle back around to like very recognizable uh like rock music structures yeah. like i remember when i listened to uh when i listened to that album for the first time my favorite i, I my two favorite songs that uh album are probably where on earth is my uh sakinata or however you say that word uh or uh and then the other one my favorite um song on the record is uh, to make home to be home and that song is literally like it sounds like op an opn midwest emo song is what it sounds uh, like to me it's like yeah. this like digitalified like 
American football song. And there are a lot of songs on this record, particularly, obviously, Locrian Midwest kind of yeah. hints at that. Just like bit, very straightforwardly like, going for that. Yeah. 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 So. American football by way of R plus seven. Yeah. yeah just so, yeah, like, it, it took a really long time for me to warm to the album because, like, I got this intense feeling of being told I needed to like stare at it from a distance. Like this sensation mm-hmm. has never really left me with this record. There are moments that I love, but like I've never really, really felt like I've spectated it from the inside in a way that pretty much all the OPM projects I like have. But yeah, like I, there, there's something deeply compelling about being forced to engage with it in just totally different mm-hmm. times that I'm very, very fond of. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's also just like not a way that most albums I love get responded to <laughs> like most albums do not like orient themselves to you as like spectator objects like classical music often does um yeah there, there are all sorts of records that find different uses and find different modes of engagement but like this is a record that really did not want me on its inside and i found a way to yeah, love yeah, it despite yeah. that which is genuinely really remarkable i think at least yeah the flip side of that is essentially what Sam says in his review that I think is a very valid reading of it where he's basically saying I think the line that I think is really telling is he says it's difficult to shake the pervasive sense of randomness writhing through again the idea that literally anything could happen in this music has the perverse effect of making Lopez's world feel smaller in the same way that limitless capabilities of CGI can be less evocative than creative practical effects deployed with purpose and I mm. totally get that and I think that's a valid reading and of course my incredibly flippant response is the Ariana Grande and what about it gif where she where she flips like 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 as per usual i'm like yeah that's what i like about it so if i'm gonna answer without dodging this is kind of where i want to do cover watch because i i listened to this record through the link before i ever saw the cover art and came up with this like this album is like yuppie gallery space before i ever saw mm-hmm. that the, the 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 art was five um computer speakers strapped um strapped together and destroyed on a in a like completely featureless white space um this album to me does have determinate features like i understand a sense of randomness but like both in the sense that it is retrieving stuff from opn's catalog but also in the sense that like no it's organized around particular progressive structures it's organized around like a sensibility of like you know like rockist grandiosity like it's organized mm-hmm. around oh god this like very deeply indie rock emotional constipation like this does not read as random to me at all because it reads like the the bands and the the, the ethos is that were flooding the spaces that look and feel like what i think this album is trying to present like I, I think bands is a good way of thinking about it. This to me, this album is like shut up and play the hits. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, like it's kind of OPN being like going back to that uh, Death Grips comparison I did. It's like after years of them, literally after the album where they're like self-immolating uh, on powers that be, they come back and they're like, okay, for the first time bottomless pit we're just gonna make an album that like is a death grips album in a very satisfying way and some people were like mad at how satisfying it was because it didn't give them something to like have to chew on and adjust to 
it's like a little in the pocket but i think this record is that and not that right like yeah. it's simultaneously giving you like exactly what you want from an opn album but like you're saying it does keep you at arm's length in this fascinating way yeah so i mean that that is the only way i'd respond to the golden review like i i don't read it as random because it feels thick to me in that sense like i could totally mm-hmm. understand if people just like heard me say this and just like nah i don't get that vibe like that's fair but like as long once yeah. i got that read because that that read read arrived like very sharply and very quickly um i it never really went away like the like kind of stuck up kind of like emotionally i said emotionally constipated they're like deliberately distant like other poeticized self-referential self-referentiality like all of it is there along with all the determinant sounds of like you know post-rock as digested through opn and like the rate your music categories of 2008 to 2014 or whatever it might be like it feels like a body of knowledge and understanding and genre form that like hands you enough to hold on to pretty much everything that's going on in this record like it very deliberately doesn't push into the territories of like you know hyper metal bullshit or midi on realness like it holds that stuff away or at least like if it presents it for a moment it like drags it as it you know as exactly what i said um uh what that side does it drags it back to pop form so readily that like you don't need to treat the songs as that like they are confrontational like blips around a thing that like really does give you something determinate something real and something deeply recognizable to me at least yeah um but do you want to like hit cover which properly because i like gestured towards yeah it. Uh, so it's I uh, it's I've just been uh, gathering collected materials here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's I love the cover too. Again, I love the rollout. I love the look for it. Um, I think it's as we were saying, like Magic OPN is like the the hazy uh, drive through uh, like radio like LA sunset. This is like the iPhone photography New York street. Yeah, this uh, is that's exactly OPN where I'm branding. Yeah um it's where it's like it's some graphic designer you'll follow on instagram like posts a picture of like this insane like red streak through like a bunch of garbage cans and you're like that looks like a great album cover um is the is the same i think like sort of core philosophy that dan applies to um this fucking incredible sculpture uh from oh Fuck, I had his name. Uh, Matthias Falkbacken. That's the one. Thank you. It's I, I have his Instagram up, which is not his name. <laughs> um, and it's uh, uh, at, uh, <laughs> at Vigard Clevin. I'm butchering that. Uh, is uh, Did the photography for it as well. Uh, this is uh, a project commissioned by an ongoing collaboration between OPN and online ceramics called memory um, with a uh, type supplied uh, from David Rodnick session from some of the branding of age of mm. and uh, published under Dan's like warp subsidiary that he made for this record electronic music company with a logo designed by Robert Beatty. So we have OPN, we have Robert Beatty, we have David Rudnick. We have online ceramics. Um, the whole motherfucking gang is here. All of it's, Brooklyn. It's po- It's possible this is the most boyfriend core 
album cover of all time. <laughs> so when I was, but even without landing on it, my like fucking yuppie gallery in New York read was like landing on something very real. Um, Jesus, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. It's I uh, honestly, it's uh, it's for. <laughs> This is, I like this it. Is, this, I li- is, this is soft boy aesthetics. Like this is. No, I don't know if it's soft boy aesthetics. <laughs> it's, 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 it's 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 post soft boy aesthetics. It's dad hat aesthetics. There we go. There we go. I I I think it's I think it's a really fascinating cover. If only because this is the only OPN album cover. Kind of going back to what we were talking about with the Lee Gamble album, that exists in a real place, even in its surreality. Mm-hmm. Right, like the fact that this is a sculpture and that is a, a photograph compared to the previous record, which is just like an illustration, a Robert Beatty illustration, compared to Age of, which is like entirely about like this taking this old like computer advertisement and like kind of playing with like these sort of like designed images. Garden of Delete, which is just like full abstraction, R plus seven is full like surreality abstraction, like replica this is like a real set of computer speakers in particular i think it's very telling that these are like the computer speakers that i think of in my memory of like being on a school computer yeah and like having the two little speakers next to it like there's something very oh yeah it's i demolished these shits listening to youtube poops when i was nine and then God. he's literally demolishing these shit yeah. yeah the like but like the idea of it of usually his like destruction of and and reconstituting of music is happening within like a digital or non-real space whereas in this case it's like a physical object is smashing these things like it is kind of going back to the idea that this is the only record that like exists in a real room and starts with like real musicians playing yeah. in a room together and all that stuff like it, it the tactility of it the sculpture stuff we were talking about like i think it's it's a really great cover for what the record is doing mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. also just looks awesome like it's it does I th- look it's very sick it, it passes the basic like opn um like scrolling down tumblr dash and seeing the cover without any context and going like yo fuck yeah and then you just keep yep. scrolling like that's 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 a that's the smell test on pretty much every opn album cover uh and then it's a clears that shit in spades full marks good shit hell yeah nice yay um are there any particular songs that we haven't covered that we would like to hit i would just like to say i really like the back half of this record in general you mentioned the suite like on an axis ubiquity roads belly lit path yeah i think that's i was gonna bring as a sequence that is so good because memories of music clearly is like a highlight and a hinge for the back half of the record but like that sequence reads as one of those like beautifully like arcing ambient like sections that you just sometimes need in a a long form piece like this Mm -hmm. just nails it there are a couple of uh, OPN songs that have walked up close to this sort of a thing before, but this is the On an Access is the first OPN song that is finally giving me the Clams Casino OPN I, I've always wanted. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's something about the, like, kind of rhythm and cadence to it, but also all the texture stuff it's doing. It feels very, uh, 
dreamy and it feels it, it, it pairs really nicely with like crumbville earlier in the record and nightmare paint these songs that just like like the long songs have these big progressive builds to them and then the short songs have even more progression in them somehow because the short songs will just constantly be like shifting under your feet in a really uh mm -hmm. playful sort of way uh what was i gonna say oh uh it's uh um i'm gonna put on uh it's my you know buchanan still makes music you guys uh hat and say that it's like i've been trying to make a song that structurally feels like plastic antique um where it's i think you could see it in a couple of things on my soundcloud where it's like i take like a tiny uh like snippet of something and they just slowly just start stretching it out until it becomes something else entirely this is something i find uh it's it's something i come back to very 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 often in my practice especially with uh new songs that uh nobody has heard yet um but uh it's dan does it with his own fucking song one of the most like canonical opn songs ever and he just totally turns it into he turns like these these like little what is normally like this statico uh like building block for uh problem areas and then makes it into like this weird interstitial like score for <laughs> it's some like russian electronic movie or whatever the fucking comish ass uh it's so cool uh and then it like then it launches back into like that uh that rapid art stuff as it like starts to sail up and then we get that weird like marching sensation that uh will take it has um past like the like closer to like the two minute mark and then we just go straight back to like those sweeping ambient uh, pads. It's so cool. It's this. I love this album so much, front to back. The the back half yeah. is really something special. But like, Crumville uh, again, Plastic Antique. Uh, it's all sick. It's all so sick. That's all I have, oh, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I feel like this is an album we could either just sort of wrap up or talk about for like three more yeah, hours. Good. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that is the thing that I find most satisfying about this record is that even though I liked the the package that the last record provided you for like a full listen in the way that you could just sort of process it in that way and the whole like sort of concept of it makes. But this record is just like so much to fucking dig into i feel like i'm just gonna be forming new thoughts about yeah. this album for like a very long time totally. in a cool way mm -hmm. yeah I, like if there are bits like just how often he just wants these really tubby halftime drums just something, something really funny about it it's so know. it's so awesome he's it's i know he was listening to phil collins going like oh fuck yes dude yeah. like the whole time good yeah otherwise so cool. like I think pretty much every moment because we pretty much hit every moment in the album by this point like yeah they all mm -hmm. get their moment they all get their shine like nightmare paint body trail nightmare paint is an incredible combo um yeah oh, those two songs fuck yeah so hard mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely yeah been rinsing like yeah body trail through to the end is like pretty fucking perfect i think 
Um, I am really fond of the opening three tracks to sort of sweep together. Um, like, also, yes. Uh, I think again, World Outside is 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 the first moment on the record where I start going, yo. Yeah, the, World Outside is a sort of like explosive moment, but like it needs, it it needs to build expectations for itself to subvert, um, to to fucking be an ass about it. Like, again, needs to be the kind of like almost gesturing back to fucking songs without people ass, like really composed Juno ass shit like it needs to be able to flex mm -hmm. its muscles in one direction so that it makes the drama and like discomfort of slamming in other directions really fucking hit and it's really funny that one of the most familiar tracks is the, the again track and then everywhere else is allowed to just like break <laughs> so yeah I, I love those those tracks it's like Elsewhere and again is the like framing pieces for World Outside to like smash the pieces. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. yeah, and World Outside also has a really really cool structure where it like ends with that guitar part. Yeah, it genuinely feels like a song structured in reverse, yeah. where like the outro would be the intro to any sane person's yes. song, and like where it starts in that with that big heavy drum thing is like the climax that it should build yeah. to, and it like works in inverse, and I think that's cool yeah i mean this is the <laughs> it's opn's trick like what you what you you're built by this point to expect the gnarly weird electronic stuff like that's normal to you what isn't normal is yes playing songs <laughs> no yeah i mean that that's the thing is that i and i can't believe it took me this long to quote it but to me the most important o opn interview quote of all time number one is I believe it was around age of he's talking about that record and he says and I quote every song is an opportunity to freak someone out yeah yeah that is that is the one oh tricks point never mission statement period he wants to freak you out now the ways he's doing that have to change every record and I think exactly what you're getting at is that he understands at this point that the things that he did 10 years ago that at the time were regarded as this is some of the freakiest shit I've ever heard. This is so otherworldly. How did he do this? Now those exact same motifs read as familiar to us. Yeah. And this whole record is like, how do I continue to freak people out if the thing that used to freak them out is now the like song that they're cheering for at the concert? Like, play that one, right? Yeah. And now he's like living in a world like, okay, I've got to do this again, but now how do I freak people out this time? And instead of trying to make it like this whole, like, here's the concept and here's how this, it's like every single song is just like starting that challenge from zero. Like, okay, yeah, how do I freak someone out this time? How do I freak someone out this time? And, and, it, and it finds so many interesting ways to do it over the course of this record that by the end of it, I'm just like, very satisfied like he calls this album an amusement park ride yeah. and i think it really is that like every single song has its like journey it takes you on and it's little like things that you go by on on, on the track but it is very much like it it pulls you through the whole record it's yeah. not like an aimless record or a record that's hard to slog through or anything yeah, yeah it's an amusement park ride at freaking coney island one out of ten get the Damn. fuck out of here get no, it's, decimated. It, it, it's, an, it's an amusement park at coney island in the uh, godspeed you black emperor we used to live on the beach sense 
in in the like uh, long nuclear winter. Yeah, uh, Jesus. I Can wanted I, to. I wanted to ask. Oh, sorry. It's uh, Alexis. You go in the. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to just because Jackie brought it up. I want. I have a favorite OPN interview, or at least in this case, actually, um, uh, actual written piece quote that I wanted to just sort of throw here because it's like not directly related, but it's tangentially related, and I just like the quote enough that I want to throw it at you so you can just like juxtapose it in your own mind. Um, uh, Smooth Jazz Paradox 2 um, in his discussion of Kenny G's Brazilian Night. This is a kind of musical lube that in actuality chafes. Easy listening to use value is overwhelmingly articulated in its role as hold music on the phone. You're meant to feel calm or distracted from your anxiety, even though its smoothness is often striated by low playback quality and erratic exhortations from Company X to keep on holding. I'm actually super into it as a sculptural object, but it's abusive on a practical level. Um, the sense of like sculptural objects that are practically abusive is just like a, a, a keystone I've always held for OPN's music in general. Um, like music as sculptural, like is a literal thing that the Sam Goldner piece used as a metaphor for why this is so alienating. But it's clearly why he finds it so fascinating. It's a thing to be like observed and like rotated around you know fucking right control stick and move it around in 3d space just like hold on to the 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 like idiosyncrasies of the thing as a thing to be observed but not to be practically engaged with because it's horrific or genuinely abusive or exploitative in some way um yeah yeah good uh Hey, there was a more productive quote than I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, go for it. Babe. I mean, I, I just was, I pulled up the interview. This is the um, this is the age of uh, New York Times interview, which the title is literally OPN's music never-ending quest to make music that freaks people out. Uh, but right after the freak people out quote, he says, "This is my other. This is it's it's basically the same quote. It's like the B part of the quote. But this is my other favorite Daniel Opitzen quote of all time." Generally, my response to seeing something really symmetrical and perfect is, it's the scene with Jack Nicholson's Joker in the first Batman, <laughs> the museum scene. Hmm? Him just spray painting the Mona Lisa and whatever with his goons. It's really the most satisfying <laughs> thing you can do to just put a little scratch in something that thinks, something that has the arrogance of knowing what it is. But it's sort of funny that I just do that over and over again. <laughs> it's very bratty. Uh, he's so cool. He's... <laughs> but like, is, is this, this I, I... album, perhaps more than any OPN album, I think to this date is spray painting the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Like that is mm -hmm. what this record is to go back to the yuppie uh, um, art gallery sense of it, right? Is like taking something that quote, has the arrogance of knowing what it is has the arrogance to be like we are musicians in a room playing out this kind of song and and brattily being like no it's not i'm gonna make it different <laughs> oh man fucking rock it's i'm sorry it's what i am doing is sort of like jack nicholson is the joker <laughs> i mean ja what else is there to say it's, it's it's this is it's if you if you guys want to listen to a podcast that is almost uh, like it's 50% music discussion and 4,000% pulling quotes like this out of thin air from artists. You guys should go listen to the Indie Heads podcast. <laughs> um, oh, well, that's very nice to say. Yeah. 
It's there. There. It's you guys are so fucking. You guys that, are so. That, you guys nice are way, so That's a nice good. way of saying that we just read Wikipedia on the on the podcast a lot of the time. It's but it's you. You guys are you guys are so good at selecting. I think you should leave quotes from musicians. Um, <laughs> and I think I think that is something to be really celebrated. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, um, is there anything else we got? About again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. We, yeah. Let's fucking rap. Uh, yeah, Jackie, I already gave you like uh, like a third of a plug there, but where else? Yeah, you just alley ooped the first half. Of I did. Plug. Let me tell you where you can listen to that podcast Ooh. that Boo is describing. It's the Indie Heads podcast <gasps> on all the places. Uh, we have a Patreon you can sign up for. It's a dollar a month. You get a little sticker that Maddie just made. I just received one of the stickers because he's coming to visit me right now. He's in my house as we speak. Um, uh, you can listen to us on all the places you listen to a podcast and you can follow me on twitter.com bad place at horse underscore jeans. Uh, the horse jeans, you, you know where to find me. And I'm going to have a, a DJ mix out soon. Hell yeah! Finally, which is very exciting because I put out a mix earlier this year that is much more OPN type beat and is all of my non-dance music influences mm. that I did for my friend's mix series, Moods. And that was really fun, but I, I'm very excited to get back to the 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 ass throwing section of my musical uh, interest. Hell yeah! And and that's what this new mix is back in that zone of. So uh, look out for that and look out for me. Um, I don't know, tweeting about how Drexia is cool and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Our Roman Empire. Indeed. We're never not thinking about never it. Never not thinking about it. Um. Hey Boo, where are you on the internet? Oh, you know, around. You can find me on Twitter at Regression. Don't forget the third S. Um, this joke didn't actually get a laugh this time, but I think it's good enough to keep fucking trying it. Um, fucking find Boo in all the places. You fucking know who she is. Um, uh, we'll be next episode wrapping up the year. It's been a fucking wild, wacky, exciting year. And we're, we're coming to the end of it, um, which I'm very, very excited for. My uh, Google mm-hmm. Google's Sheets spreadsheet is getting horrendously stuffed and ever more contentious where like things that I listened to an, in, an insane amount this year are like sitting at 14 and I'm like, what the fuck has happened? Like, this is this is unacceptable. Yeah. It's it's horrible. Good year. I am Genuinely, a- like I look back at the some of the previous years, like 2020, dire in relative terms. Yeah, this is really bad. This is genuinely like the last two years were a huge i mean the last two years just feel like a little bit of a payoff of everyone making shit in the pandemic yeah, right truly. eventually like the 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 backlog just really led to two like borderline over stuff we, we've mm-hmm. had we've had a good time and i'm excited to talk about the good time that we have had um thank oh, you yeah. jackie for coming on that was a wonderful episode yeah of thank you jackie so much and fun we will see you all very soon Bye! Fuck HK! <laughs>